Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 50 of Beer Not The Shit, the podcast, adjunct series, quarantine edition. I can't believe it's been 50 damn episodes of this quarantine thing. It's a good time out here. This evening, ladies and gentlemen, this is a special one. This is, uh, you know, during this time, you may have noticed we're bringing back, mostly bringing back guests. Some, you know, some there's some new ones too, but mostly bringing back guests. Maybe you haven't had on for a while, and... Uh, you know, a lot's obviously changed either with them or with the industry in general. Can we move this? Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, being instructed. We should have done this before. Um, and uh, we realized the other day that these guys haven't been on since, I believe, we conducted the interview in May 2017. So that's coming up on uh, four years, which is out of control. But, you know, at least we're getting it done again. Um, I have my co-host uh, from BOS, our blog writer, Nathan from Nathan Does Beers, here alongside Josh and Scott from Dominion City. Boys, welcome. We got a crowd. We got a crowd. Great to see your faces. It's awesome. Good to, to see you here. too, Thanks man. Having us. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't think I've seen you guys in person since we went to Ren's thing. I think that was 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Was that You're April right. That would have been. Yeah, right? What a long ass time. Isn't that crazy? It's too long ago. It really is, man. It's like two hours away. There's no excuse. I've been uh, got to get my ass up there more. But um, glad to see everyone is well and doing your, uh, you know, shit is moving great for you guys. You guys have had a pretty good run as far as, you know, good can go. Uh, the things you guys have done in the last year have been uh, pretty damn spectacular. And if I'm honest, it's been, uh, I think you guys are really leading the way in, in a lot of things. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys because I feel like, uh, and Nate, and you can really speak to that as well. But during the last you know year almost of, of doing the podcast like this and talking to breweries and finding out how they're being creative and handling the new reality that we find ourselves in, you guys have really paved the way for so many things and it, it kept coming up time and time again. So I'm really excited to sort of hear that because I haven't spoken to you guys or seen you uh, to be able to ask. So I feel like we have uh, a lot to get on. But... We have to crack a beer first, goddamn. Yes, we do. Nathan and I, we're going to be able to drink a different stuff tonight. The old Civic Pilsner. I realize I haven't had this before. Um, so no better time. And what are you boys drinking? I'm drinking a, I'm drinking <laughs> a, a uh, from Silent Hill, actually. I think you guys both said that at once. Scott, you go. Sorry. That's I right, got man. a primo from Silent Hill. Hey, and what what style is that? So that's one of the uh, so that that's one of the offerings that you guys uh, have um, on the Friends of the Dominion store uh, uh, now. And uh, like you've had quite a, like quite a bit of Silent Hill um, uh, like on there. And I think we'll like we'll, we'll touch on that more a bit later. But uh, uh, but yeah, what what uh, what style is that one there? Uh, it's a. They list as a, a check pills. It's a collab with the Scarpman Labs. Um, I don't know if it says anything else other than that, but uh, yeah, it's just premium pills. Love it. It's delicious. And uh, what did you have, Josh? I'm drinking a Time and Tide, which I think is in your bundle too. Yes, but I saw that. It's a, it's a fresh hoppy lager that we just had out, and I find them very gluggable. <laughs> I like that, gluggable. 
Um, tell us about the Civic Pilsner, man. So this is a regular, is it, uh, according to Nate there? The sun comes back regularly or it's year-round? Whoever yeah, go ahead, Scotty. Go, go Scotty's on. been okay, working sure. on, uh, on lagers. Uh, we're yeah. looking at uh, a lot more these days. We we're making a lot more lager in general, um, but this one's sort of, uh, I think, a staff favorite. Um, and it's simple. It's just Pilsner malt and uh, and a few German varieties and a lot of lagering time. We actually use like a Czech floor malted barley for a lot of like malt character, but it's supposed to be a really dry and hoppy, hoppy pills. Just something you can really, really drink the hell out of, you know? Right. Here for it, man. That's what you need. Um, I love it. I feel like you guys weren't always doing a ton of like crispies, eh? Like I feel like that's more of a more recent thing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a lot more recent. Like, yeah, I mean, it's something that I know that we all talk about at the brewery that we all want, and and it's what we end up drinking when we go out for beers. Um, and it's hard for breweries to have the time and space to do these things yeah. properly, where they have, you know, they take a lot of time. Um, and, and so we we bought a couple lager tanks, like horizontal lager tanks, that just sort of, uh, you know, forces the hand. Like we have to brew them. Um, so we, we, have just got a lot more of them. We're trying a few, few different styles out, but this one's, uh, definitely in the running for favorite, I think. Oh yeah. I can see why, man. It's beautiful buddy. Great, uh, balance, not too sweet. Nice little slight bitterness there. A little grassy, a little fruity. Glorious. Yeah. It's, it's got that good, uh, like that good grassiness leading, leading to a bit of a peppery hit at the end. Um, and like just super, super gluggable to borrow uh, Josh's term there. If I'm remembering right, I think this was, like, this was one of the ones that kind of started you guys having a fairly regular rotation of, um, of crispy boys. Um, this is what, this is one of the earlier, uh, pills or loggers that I remember uh, that I remember you guys doing um, a couple of years back and, and you've had several others since then but, uh, but but this has definitely been one that's made the rounds a few times for for good reason it's really good <laughs> yeah yeah we've been we've been really loving it lately I uh, just so much good lager being brewed in small breweries um, I think we really first started noticing it um, a few years ago. And, and like Scott said, it was just something we kind of wanted to work away at, but I have to say it's pretty satisfying these days to be able to bring home, um, lager all the time and have it in my fridge. It seems to be the thing that's there most of the time. So. Yeah, man. I can't, I, I, I it's my new favorite thing. It's more it's the most important style right now. It just, it just hits a spot like nothing else really can. It's, it's just glorious. What do you, what do you attribute that to? Because I mean, we, we were born originally, our brewery started in 2014, and that was not the trend at the no, time, you know. Trend. That was uh, that was very much not the trend at the time. Um, and I, I think I first, you know, really was like talking to people who make beer were the first ones who got got me excited about drinking this kind of beer again with more regularity. But what what do you attribute to sort of lager being a a more a thing that people are, are appreciating more than maybe they did five years ago? That's a really good question. I think part of it, and I, if anyone else has any thoughts as well, but I think exactly what you said the people who make the beer the brewers always say i just want a lager when i finish my shift i just want a lager and at the end of the day if the people dictating the production to a degree uh want that then they're just gonna end up brewing it or they're gonna convince the people who make the decisions to brew it and i think secondly there's this like cyclical trend of um 
of, of interest as a drinker, we all probably started drinking macro lagers. And then maybe you discover the Euro lagers and Ambers and Porters and Stouts and IPAs when it was West Coast and then Belgians and then blah, blah, blah. And then you, the Haze came around and that's all that mattered because watching back on our old clips, that's all me and Scott were talking about. It was pretty ridiculous <laughs> to me. I was like, get over it, man. Stop talking about it. Um, but it just didn't exist. So it was new and exciting. But every single one I watched back from that time period, it was just an obsession. So I feel like that was the obsession. And then that lasted quite some time. And I just feel like it's, it might just be even um, palate exhaustion too, just from all the adjuncts and crazy pastry stouts and smoothies and all of this stuff. Like really nothing beats this. And I feel like maybe you being when you opened in 2014, there weren't really many craft lagers as such. It was usually just blondes. Because I imagine that this, no one really cared about it. So why let this sit for six to eight weeks when you can make a blonde in two? So I imagine that's probably part of it. And now the, it's like the, the brewing techniques, the horizontal tanks, all this stuff are all coming back. Brewers seem to be visiting Germany and the Czech Republic and coming back with these new ways of making it. And there's, it's just, I don't know, it's just amazing. It's, it's, it hits in a, in a whole different way. So I'm not sure if you guys have any other thoughts on that. I definitely I mean, think there's I, something think to the Czech it, trips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The government yeah. of the Czech yeah, Republic the is doing something very effective <laughs> by seeding the craft brewery landscape right? in North America. Right. Sorry, go, go ahead, Scott. Mm. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm getting some like lag. It was cutting over. Mm. You can hear us? Yeah. Sorry. It was just choppy there for a second. Oh, good. Just yeah, pardon me. Carry on, Josh. No, I was just joking. I, I definitely think uh, I know a few people who've been on the government-sponsored trips to uh, Czech Republic, and I think they're very effective at, at 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 exporting what is amazing about their beer making tradition there for sure. So, yeah. um, I, I I don't know. That's got to be a, a little piece of it, but I mean they've been doing it for literally centuries, and we all forgot about what made it so amazing for so long. So it it feels exciting to rediscover something that's. That's 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 old and, and and been done a certain way for a long time and has a lot of integrity and I don't know it's almost like a whiplash a little bit like I think you know we, it was all like we were very proud early on that we you know didn't obey the same rules as everybody else who made beer and you know what what couldn't be beer and uh, that was exciting and everything but now to sort of get past that sort of awkward teenage phase and just like make the most of of making beers that have like a, a real like sturdy um, timber under them, you know what I mean? And like been around for a long, long time and um, really trying to nail a style. I know that's something that Scott talks about all the time, but um, I'm into the, I'm interested in that. Great point. Something that I think, um, uh, th th that I think goes along with it as well is like Hayes, for instance, is one of, uh, like, is one of those things that um, like, like really it is still, uh, the, the, like the, the big thing, it's probably still the, like the most sought after. But the thing with haze is, it's one of those things that when someone is going out to buy it, they might like you know they might buy two or they might buy a four pack of it or whatnot. Um, but it's usually something that everyone wants to try the next one of. Uh, like they want to like they want to try uh, like a couple of them and, uh, like and love it and and then they want to see what the next one out is. Whereas the difference with a good uh, like with a really good pills. 
that's the kind of thing that someone wants to buy a six pack of. That's the like the thing that someone maybe wants to buy a case of, and want to like, and they probably want to come back and buy the same thing, um, like in two weeks or uh, like or another month. Like they want to be able to have this uh, like the same thing and just crush that exact same delicious pills, um, in a way that you don't see with uh, the, like with the the same with the IPA trend. That's a really good point, dude. Jumping us. I, uh, I, there's something like romantic about the way that like your parents had like a beer that was like their beer, you know, and it was like that was always in the fridge. I, I, I don't know. I, I, the, the part of I, that's not the way that I've experienced beer now for a long, long time. But um, I don't know. The, when I when I think about 30, 40 years from now, I think it would be kind of cool if you know uh, some of the people making beer now are making like so and so's beer, and like it's something that's got enough history under it. Um, Jordan St. John talks all the time about how this is like the golden era of beer and that like someday a hundred years from now, people will look back and these brands, you know, that have cropped up in the last 10 years that feel very shiny and new will be, you know, significant in their local market at least or something. And like some of these, these brands will have real history to them. I find that like super fascinating, but I agree with you that I think lager will endure. <laughs> it's just that good. Yeah, man. It, go on, Scott. You guys say something? Yeah, I mean, lager's, lager's been around a long time, you know, and I think, like, uh, it's not going anywhere. Like, it's not the new thing. People still drink the hell out of it. Yeah. Uh, hazy IPAs, I think, like, when, when breweries are starting up and it's almost like an uncomfortability thing, like, or an inexperienced thing, too, like, just to, like, go to the new thing, keep trying new shit. Um, like, your, your brewery's too small. You don't have everything you need to do. Like, you can't brew Pilsner or Cal. So, like, let's figure out this like new cool thing really neat. um and it but every it has to come full circle eventually you can do a bit of everything like we're still gonna do weird shit that's kind of like fun uh throw a bunch of things into a beer a bunch of fruit and vanilla but like uh I, I think the beers that we find the most endearing are the are the ones that we can just constantly go back to mm. um and hopefully we have like customers that and and fans that I think that last part we lost you a little bit, but I think you were saying you like that the that maybe your customers feel the same way that they can always come back and get the same thing. Is that basically what you said? You getting us there? Things You know, it's it's worth. I'll just jump in here while yeah, yeah. Scott's connection catches up. But you know, you're having Matt on next episode from Tooth and Nail, and like, you know, it's worth pointing out that definitely in our market, like, I think there was a lightning bolt that went through everybody the first time they had Bim and Vigor. You know, like just to really understand what the the, the potential of like a fresh, delicious lager really could be. So, um, full credit to Matt. I think he makes one of you know, some of the most outstanding beer anywhere. And uh, the fact that he's in our hometown um, and we get it so fresh on the regular has been like a real treat for a long, long time. So, Yeah, that's a, that's yeah, a, that's a great point. Like how, how lucky are we to have, uh, like to have that um, just down the road from us uh, and uh, like a world-class Pilsner like that uh, uh, brewed locally. It's, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, 
And while we're on the subject of loggers, um, you, you guys just in the uh, just in the past week had a, uh, a like made a post on Instagram, which kind of, like which kind of really blew up and got a, and got a lot of attention for uh, like for when it was getting shared around was the, um, the, the was the one with Pat holding up the sign to say stop um, rating well-made loggers uh, under four stars on Untapped. Um, I was I wanted to ask you guys if there was uh, like if there was a like was there a particular instance that spawned that a repeated instance and you got like and someone just got fed up or uh, what, like was there a story that <laughs> Scott dropped off at a precipitous moment right. yeah. uh, <laughs> he'll be back he'll be back. <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> no um listen I mean it was it was funny I, I actually had a conversation with Randy who you know um handles our Instagram feed and takes all of our photos and everything and I it was sort of early after the post and I just sort of looked at him and I said, I hope you know what you're doing, man. I sort of feel like it's the third rail for a brewery to talk about, uh, about untapped ever. Just <laughs> never a great idea. So I, I, uh, I mean, it was obviously, I think it struck a nerve and definitely generated a lot of interest and passion. And, um, you know, Scott, I think we'll probably have a more useful insight into <laughs> the, the feeling that kind of generated the post. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the things we love about lager are subtle, and I think there's there's a way sometimes that uh, if you're looking for something compelling and interesting, and something's going to generate um, you know strong feelings, like unless you're looking for it in lager, it's easy to kind of overlook it. I mean, we all overlooked them for years, so yeah. um, I, I totally understand that way of thinking. And um, I don't know uh, if it's a matter of time or or whatever, but certainly the more the more lager I drink, like uh, Vim and Vigor, the easier it is to get excited about it. So, yeah, Scott, do you have anything the, to add the, about, uh, about lager? <laughs> is he frozen again? He's having, he's having some, to be. Uh, some rough luck. I think he might be. We'll, um, we'll grab him back on that in a sec because I will be curious because it was really funny seeing some of the, uh, you know, the, the comments were wide ranging and quite entertaining from, you know, <laughs> People get a little yeah. upset about. It. I mean, obviously, you're right. I never thought of that. Like the breweries talking about untapped ratings is uh, a little touchy, probably yeah. <laughs> for some folks. But I think that it was. Uh, I think. I think. I think. The, I think the spirit that fed the, the fed the post that was really less about us and our logger and more more about a love of logger generally. Um, and I, th I think that's the way. Yeah. So it was. It was. In, it was. In, it was. A, it was in good jest. <laughs> I don't think people took it the wrong way, except those people that like, will I drink what I want? I'll rate it how I want. I'm like, okay, bro, it's not the idea, but sure. <laughs> whatever, whatever makes you happy. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think the reception to it was largely positive. Like most of the comments that I were seeing were like were along the lines of someone had to say it, and, um, and like and, and yes, like yes, this absolutely, and uh, like and that was certainly my feeling as well because it prompted me to kind of take a look through some uh, like some of the average ratings on like some uh, like on like some excellent excellent loggers like looking up civic pills and i'm seeing like 3.6 vim and vigor 3.7 um des moines from saint Baron is like 3.6 as well like it like that's fucking ridiculous like the like these are all top-notch loggers and uh, like and really just not getting the like getting the love uh the, like kind of co uh, correlating to their quality <laughs> I mean, Scott looks like he's back now, so I'll let him speak to this. But I definitely think there's something for people who make these beers 
just uh, like the, the appreciation that you get after you do them a few times for, for what goes into them. Um, there, there is something about finesse and patience um, that, you know, it is different than making other kinds of beer. But uh, Scott, Scott probably knows that better than I do. Oh, we can't hear you, bro. Are you muted, maybe? Pull, pull the headphones out, see if that works. No. No. Are we back? Yeah, we got you. We got you. Yeah, we hear you now. Oh, there we go. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, guys. It's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Lagers take a lot of time, and when they come out really good, they're great. Um, you know, some of my favorite beers that I've had uh, have just absolutely blown me away. And they're simple. They're made with four ingredients, and uh, and I'll go back to them. I'll keep going back to them. Uh, and like that, I think warrants a pretty high rating. But it's not like this big pop, exciting uh, thing has the most vanilla is going to get the closest to five stars. It's just a bit more or less reality of of untapped. And uh, I don't know. I don't even look at it too much. Like we get like maybe couple hundred ratings per new beer that we do like that's not indicative of of the population that actually enjoys it yeah yes it it is super interesting though just to even think about that side of it because it's like the people who are rating it more that the average person who you guys serve a community it's not just a bunch of beer nerds like you guys are just people who like drinking good beer and may not participate in the community or scene or whatever you want to call it. So they're not there. Yeah. I feel like I know, I see that more like the, the sort of, I don't think there's a more unloved beer on untapped that we make than town and country, which is like our, our like a blonde ale we've been making from the start. Uh, but like in so many ways, I'm like so proud of that beer and like what Scott and the team have made of it. And like when I think about like a can that 50 years from now, I want to look exactly the same and I dream of it being in someone's fridge and being someone's beer. It's that beer uh, for me. So I don't know. I, and, and you know what? It, it, a lot of people keep buying that beer. There's a reason we keep making it. So, yeah. um, you know, it's not it, it's not driving untapped ratings and n- none of us care. So um, there is something about that, too, where it's like I think everything has its place, um, but it isn't the be all and end all. I, I can tell you in, in our first months of operating though you would be a mile high on every great rating and you would be devastated in the cellar with every bad rating and you'd feel unworthy and uh i'm i'm, I'm grateful that i had the good sense to delete the app after a couple months and just <laughs> give my heart a break <laughs> couldn't take it anymore i respect that it's it can't be easy i never really always never really thought of it in that perspective because i think people do like completely forget that there are people behind these beers. Like, like there's not, it's not just some sort of faceless machine, like a macro it's small businesses pouring, like you said, their heart and soul into these damn things. So, you know, if you are looking at those ratings and people are like, Oh, don't like lagers one, like, you know, <laughs> why are you drink like that type of ridiculousness that like, but then on the other side, we hear from a lot of people who, who work in breweries. They're like, Oh yeah, people come in. They're like, Oh, they go, what do you need? I'm like, oh, give me a sec. Let me take a look. And they check the untapped ratings. And now I don't drink anything less than four stars or whatever. And they, <laughs> and they refuse to order it. So it kind of can impact the purchasing patterns of certain individuals. 
Yeah, and what scares sure. me even more than uh, the, the, like than consumers che- like checking Untapped is if you sometimes hear stories about um, like bars or restaurants um, li- li- like using that as a criteria for for like what kegs to put uh, like like to put on their lines like that like that's something that would uh, that, like that would worry me even more. It's uh, like. So, like so many people are like using the app thinking like okay well like you know, like you know like this was my impression it's based on like it's based on my personal taste so like the, like for me it's three, like it's three out of five and and you know they don't give it much more thought than that it's like it's unfortunately given like I I, I hope this is too wide um, but like there's definitely cases where it's given more weight than it ought to. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. Is that a thing though? Do bars and restaurants do that? Are you or are you just hypothesizing? This is, no, 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 like this is something that I've uh, like that I've seen in some comments and in certain Twitter threads that like that have been in response to it. So it's not uh, like this is not. Um, like anything concrete that like that I've seen, and like I say, I hope it's not too widespread. If it, like if it's happening at all, but uh, but like it's it's worrisome to uh, like to even think of a consumer um, picking ba- uh, picking based on that. And if it goes further than that to the uh, like to the point of uh, of like wholesale purchasing, like that's like that would be even more troublesome. That's criminal. That's ridiculous. It's just that's the most craziest thing I've ever heard with round taps. God, I hope that's, that's <laughs> not true, man. Like that, that's upsetting. Fuck. I got a couple of comments. Let me just get to anyway, that real quick. Like, here you go. <clears throat> what are you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say, like, uh, you, you know, I don't give a fuck what Untap says. This is a goddamn delicious lager. Yeah, man. <laughs> I just love that you guys brought attention to it, and it was, you know, what it caused some conversation, and really, that's what what it's all about, positive or negative, right? And you guys are, were causing that. Which is super cool. Uh, Tiff, <coughs> Liquid Happiness. This Nate's new house looking fire in the background. Yeah, it is. Look at that slick. Look at him balling out here. <laughs> uh, Daniel from Vancouver. <laughs> Beers all fire. Dan, have you had much from Dominion? I hope so. Tiff saying what up. Make sure everyone go check out dominioncity.ca. Order your beer. Get your merch. Some of the most fire merch. Hey, what this say? I wear this hat almost more than any other hat. I, I got it on the day we did our last podcast. It's all broken at the at the thing here because I wear it so much. It's, it makes me happy. I was going to say it's in good shape for four years, man. I'm impressed. It's not bad. But this, I, I broke the little, like, I guess taking it off the little thing there, but it's fresh, mate. It's fresh. I, want, I like wearing it overseas because <laughs> it's got the real abundant maple leaf on there to let people know. Back when right. we could travel. Remember those days, if you do? It was a while ago. Um, <clears throat> Tiff was talking about the post. It was so, so good. I love whoever's managing the feeds. That was Randy, top-notch content production. You, we should definitely talk about that. I'm, I don't remember if we talked about it on the first one, but your branding and your, um, your the way you execute social is just exceptional. Uh, so it was the name Randy, and yes, it was Randy. And uh, Andrew in the building, Fluffy Paws, Lager is life. Damn right it is, Andrew. <laughs> I love Andrew. He's such a champion. I haven't seen him forever. Um, He's a good man. Andrew's great. He is, right? Nate, what are we doing next? Or what do we do, Josh? Do you want to tell us what to do? What's the deal? Nope. No, I want to. I will follow where you go. Yeah. Well, I do want to just for um, uh, nostalgia's sake to do paper salesman in this episode because we did have it in the last one, and that was one of cool. my probably my first favorite beer from you guys. So that would be. Uh, do you remember what happened in that last one? That was the day after the CBAs. 
and you guys had the brewer's brunch, but like <laughs> everyone went the night before and then got too drunk to come to the brewer's brunch. I remember. Yeah, I remember that. I was real nauseous the whole time. Yeah, man. That was like, we were all just like, uh, Scott was like vomiting blood the night before and like, uh, oh no. Yeah, it, was, it was so rough. I was sick as a dog. I had yeah. like a, a really bad flu. And I had I paid for the accommodation and done all this stuff. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I guess I gotta go. And I just had to push through it. And it's a good time. You guys seemed fresh as a daisy, and I was like, oh my god, they actually came. Oh man, <laughs> we have to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, bro. The no, best part was we, were, we got going. <laughs> it was right. It usually is. Yeah. You get a beer or something in you. And I remember like looking at the clip, and we were both like took a sip, and we're like, all right, now we're feeling. Yeah, I don't uh, yeah. participate in that type of stuff too much these days, but you know, got to behave. Um, so, right. paper, paper salesman's okay, Nate. You cool with that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, you go first. I'll keep uh, talking. And we'll do you got? Uh, do you have to go get yours? Yeah, I do, but we can we can switch. You go first. Oh, tip, yeah. Paper all right, salesman. all right. I think it's in the little fridge. Tip's gonna get mine. Nice and easy. Thank you. Um, so, d- should we touch on? Um, the history stuff or should we just tell people to go listen to that and then we'll just catch up on what's happened since sorry should we catch up yeah it's, it's okay Tiff reckons I, oh should we touch on it she said we should touch on it she's in charge alright <laughs> so you don't have to take too long and then we'll just really catch up on what happened just like you know how the brewery came about you guys know beer histories and then we'll uh, then we'll cover what's really been happening since uh, people have heard from me last year thank you so much Whoever. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I joke that we have the most unoriginal origin story in craft beer, you know, just a couple <laughs> of white dudes making beer in their backyard because they're bored at their job. But <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I mean, the, the, more, the more interesting thing, I think, is like, we do, I think we underappreciated early on what being community built really meant. Um, when, we, when we started it, we did not have the cash to do anything approaching what it was going to take to do it. And it really was like about a hundred of our closest friends who dug into their pockets and came up with, you know, what for, what was really like an outstanding amount of money, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks each. Um, and that got us started and got, you know, got us with what we had, put it together, was able to like get the doors open about eight months later. Um, I think well before we were open, Scott wandered in the door and uh, wanted to help and wanted to be part of it. And he's never left since. And, uh, Really, I think like the story of our of our beer has really been like, you know, Scott's Scott's journey on this as well. So I, I think like the team we have now is just like good energy, good people. Um, we've been really, really, really blessed with like amazing people to come around what we do. And uh, I don't know, man. It's like I, I won the lottery. Um, I just get to have fun. Um, I get to go to work with fun people and do cool stuff. And we can have an idea on Monday, and we can slap it on a glass by Friday and. Maybe someone will buy it next week, and it's like it's very rewarding. So, uh, yeah, honestly. Did you want to add to that, Scott? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's sort that's sort of uh, <laughs> you know that's sort of how how it started. That is it is true. I pretty much did wander in the door. Um, you know, so I, I didn't know what I'm do. I was doing. We, we, I still don't really. We, we have like a, a team of people that knows a lot better, um, you know, a lot more about this stuff than I do. Uh, but 
anyways, we, we, we've been able to have a lot of fun and make a lot of different beer. And that's uh, like, I feel pretty lucky that that's our scenario because there's not a lot of breweries that you can just sort of like have carte blanche and just like try and make new stuff as much as you possibly can. Um, so we've sort of, you know, we've tweaked a lot of things along the way, but we, we've kind of, we started with an idea that we wanted to make a lot of different beers and we, and we've just sort of been cruising down that path for the last, last however many years. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's been so cool to watch you guys from, from, from that time and just sort of, you know, meeting you guys then and seeing you guys consistently over the years and, and coming by and seeing the events and seeing the things you've done. You guys are one of like, like I'm not boosting because you're sitting in front of me, but you guys are some of the, the coolest people, the best team and some of the best beers, the best like branding, like your whole ethos. That's what you were talking about, Josh. You won the lottery because you attracted that shit. Like you put that out there into the universe and this is what came back to you guys. Like I'm going to get once, well, once we get a few beers, I'm going to be gushing. Don't worry. Um, but no, I, I really see that That's you guys have, have, have really done, you've really put together something genuinely special. Um, it's, it really speaks to everything you guys have done. It's, it's super cool. I, I think we should definitely talk about um, all the stuff in between because I feel like people need a bit more context. But this shit, dude, this was, this is, I feel like this is like, keeps getting better. Like, can we just touch on this real quick? It really does, to, I think. Yeah, my God. Can't, he's too modest to Baker's say it, but I will say Baker's a very good beer indeed. But the, the first time we made this beer, it was it was really, uh, I think maybe the, the, the grain bill was somewhat similar. I think that's the most that could be said about the first iteration of this beer. Uh, and I was emotionally attached to like the, the concept, but um, anyway, I, I think at, at a certain moment, Scott turned to me and said, you know what, I think we can make this beer better. And like, um, you know, I think we were very lucky that... Um, he had the idea to do it and I'm, I'm glad that I told him to go do it. But at the end of the day, like that beer does keep getting better. And I think the mission is like all of our beers should keep getting better. And I mean, that was like a, a bit of a light bulb moment kind of around the time we first talked. I think there was part of me that thought like we own this brewery consistency needs to be everything. Like you can almost kind of like grasp too tightly that like you got to keep control of every recipe and every decision. Um, and I think, you know, one of the best decisions we ever made was, Find good, competent people who care and like empower them to make you constantly better. So, uh, you know, I think I think the team that we have now is, is doing that. But long way of saying I think this is the best batch of Papier ever. <laughs> Shouts to Jesse. What a legend. <laughs> I, I would say from the last time I tried this, I don't know. I, feel like I, I, I just It's just such a fantastic – was it 5.6? What what's the hot bill on this bad boy? It's Mosaic and Galaxy, um, pretty much 50-50. Like, it's all Mosaic in the in the Whirlpool, and then we just heavily dry hop it with uh, uh, Mosaic, Cryo, and, and Galaxy. Glorious. It's just like that. And, That's and a it's great actually, combo. Go it's kind of funny. We haven't changed that recipe since we first made it. Uh, mm. It's actually stayed the same, um, like, uh, pretty much identical. Uh, so we've been brewing it for, for like, maybe five years, and uh, – the recipe stay the same. The beer keeps getting, I think this is one of my favorite batches of paper salesman, but it's like our processing is just getting so much better and we're learning tons as we go. Um, so like hopefully it keeps getting better, but I like having it around um, quite a bit. I can see why it's just such an exceptional, um, uh, it's like I, somewhat, I'm going to say flagship, 
I, I don't know if potentially it's a flagship or a core range, or is it just something that you bring back regularly? Yeah, it's around three or four times you do a it year. Like quarterly. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. So when people grab it, you got to go make sure you grab, you know, get your, get your half a case, get your case of this stuff because you're going to have to sit on it for a bit. I mean, I have to say that, like, if, if you were to tell Scott and I in 2017 that we'd have a forecast for what we were going to make three months from now, by 2021, we'd be pretty impressed with ourselves. So uh, <laughs> the fact that we even know we're going to make it sort of quarterly is a big deal. Hey, man. <laughs> Growth. <laughs> Yeah, that's I'm just going to come back for uh, for a second to uh, uh, like to the growth that you guys have had over the years. I'm like I'm fortunate to have you guys as one uh, like as one of my locals, and it's and, and like and I like and I've come back pre- like pretty regularly over the years, and I, like and I've seen the evolution from a like from a consumer's perspective. You know, I'm I, like I'm remembering back to like back to when uh, that. The, like I'd be I'd be coming by and taking away a couple of uh, like a couple of small growlers every time, um, to uh, like you know to to the odd um, rare uh, like rare bottle release to to the first time town and country got like got its can release and that like and that was a huge deal because uh, like at that time almost no one in Ottawa was uh, like of the small breweries were like were canning anything so that was. A pretty big deal to have, uh, like, to have that come out in a can release, um, and then, at the, like, when Sunsplit came out was like was a pretty big deal at the time because um, it was because again you guys were one of the first um, in Ottawa. You were probably the first that I remember doing a New England IPA when it was kind of just on the cusp of exploding everywhere, and like, like this was right around the time that Craig and I started talking uh, uh, like regularly and uh, like and kind of just be, uh, kind of started becoming friends and started trading and whatnot. Yes, um, you gave me my best growler. Craig something. probably remember. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, like, and you remember the evolution from that first growler to when it was first canned as well, right? Mm-hmm. Very much so. Even this was one of the first. Yeah. Um, hey, like I think Sunsplit might have come just before this. Is that accurate? Yeah, before. Yep. And then this came out, and then sorry, Ned, I'll let you continue. But yes, I remember being like, "Wow!" I, I, at the time, we'd only just sort of made your spot on. We would just get, that's why we were so obsessed with it because you, you, we couldn't get hold of it. So we were here in Montreal. You, yeah. There wasn't really anything to speak of. In Toronto, that's probably Bellwoods and a couple other little things, but not, not a lot. So you guys doing that um, was such a big deal. So yes, continue. And I very, very much remember the, I think we must have traded before because it came up in my Facebook memories like a week ago or something. And it was the, the I forgot yeah. actually before that, that that's when I had it the first time. Um, in the uh, in the growler, which was amazing. So that was, that yeah. was probably like a year before the can, maybe. Yep, something like that. Yeah. Oh. Um, no, I was just, but uh, but just to not to ramble on too long, but uh, like but but just to say, like the the growth over the years, uh, like has just been uh, like it, it's just been wonderful to see. Um, like. And like and as Craig said, like you, like you guys are just some of like like some of the most chill and positive pe- like people in the industry. Um, like the two of you, and also just your entire team. Like the like the tap room has always been a super positive experience. Every like and anyone who walks in your doors and uh, they, like whoever they talk to behind the counter, it's always just a uh, like just a great 
relaxed, really po- like really positive experience. And that that is one thing that has been absolutely consistent through like throughout your entire run. And the beer just keeps getting better. Facts. Well, thanks, guys. We're not going to fit through the doorway on the way out of this one. But, uh, you know, <laughs> appreciate all the support. I, mean, I think you know we we are frankly lucky to have had May as long as we have. I think uh, I think you probably brought us more attention than we than we ever appreciated early on. So appreciate you and the support you've given us. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a cool journey, man. And um, and at this point, to have like a solid core of people who've who've been on it with us for a while is very rewarding and very cool. Um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting though. We're kind of at a point where, like, when it comes to growth, we feel like maybe we're sort of growthed out. Like, um, the vision now is really like if we can be the brewery scale that we are today, uh, and really kind of continue what's sort of happening at the moment, which is like selling most of what we make very close to the brewery or as directly from the brewery as possible. Um, there's a there's a sustainable business for us doing that, that leaves us a free hand um, to continue to kind of make beer that, 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 that we and the team want to make uh, with a grid, a real free hand, frankly. Um, we're, not, we're not tied to a whole lot of really tough uh, external pressures to like make the same thing all the time. And that served us well over the years. But really, it's like, I think now the things we get most excited about when we think about like investing in the brewery is like, how do we, how do we keep improving quality how do we how do we keep improving experience like it's it's very actually i get super inspired talking to cal and shabs who are on our taproom team like they just genuinely spend a lot of time thinking about how you're going to feel when you show up and they really care about it so when you have little pockets of people throughout a business that like really deeply care about what they're doing um sales guys caring about how we take care of people who are having a hard year right now is one another example um that is the making of a good thing. So we think we just realized it doesn't necessarily need to get bigger than it is, but there are ways we can obviously keep making it better. I love that. That's a bar right there, man. It's a bar. Jesse's saying they even sent a, a grumbler to DDB, the don't drink beer. And Andrew thought it might have been a howler. That's pretty good. That's, I think he was referring to Sunsplit when he said that. Did you actually send a, a growler to those guys? He reviewed yeah, it. And it looked, cool. Let me tell you, it was poetry. You should yeah. go back in the archive to find that. It was poetry. Yeah, I think that was a that was a moment. He's a funny guy. He <laughs> called it lemony smegma, actually. Is what he called it? <laughs> oh my yeah. god. That's hyper specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could yeah, it was really cool, actually. We thought it was like the biggest compliment. Lemony. <laughs> I forgot what smegma was. We used to say that in high school. I forgot what that word means. So I'd have to Maybe Urban Dictionary. Uh, it's probably best we don't talk about it too much. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that'd be uh, that'd be problematic. People would be reporting us for that. So as far as like the, the, it's not even as much growth over the years as like the changes. So like I remember in 2017 we were sitting in the uh, the larger production brewery that if you're staring at the bar to the left in there. Um, at the time there were you you were just you just got it and you were just chucking fermenters and stuff in there. I think there were a bunch of things that were still in like the plastic wrap. Like, I don't think it had even been set up yet, the brew house and stuff from memory. And then yeah, it was pretty fresh for sure. Super fresh then. And I think then we were back again, well, for, for a lengthier time. Um, in, uh, in 2019 for Ren's thing, I think it was like fully up and running. So as far as like the, the, the scope and the size, like you were saying, it's not so much about that, but like 
I think the thing that really marks you guys, you guys, uh, there's a creativity in the way that you approach things, which maybe we don't know, Nate, if you want to touch, if you want to get into that now, the stuff that happened during the, the last year and the way that you guys approach that um, and the way that you guys approach the community and how much you care about the community. I think those two things really kind of speak to who you are as a business as far as, you know, the diversity scholarship with Niagara Brewing College and University and all those other, I'm sure there's a bunch I don't even know about, but different um uh, what do you call them? Just like uh, things that you guys are doing and putting that positive energy to give back to the people that you know give to you. And I think that's been a consistent thing since I've been following you guys. So it'd be cool to to maybe get into some of that. Jesse just says, uh, what about DDB's dogs? Is that a... Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about yeah, it. We're, <laughs> we're talking about it off air. Okay. Um, Nate, do you want to maybe ask any because I know we were talking about that earlier as far as this stuff. Do you want to touch on maybe the we can sort of skip forward to the last sort of year since that's a, a very interesting time. There's a whole bunch to talk about as far as what you guys have been up to. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah, we we can talk about that because that was that was one of the things that we wanted to talk about, and it's a particularly interesting thing in uh, like in your guys' case because in my like in my view, you guys were kind of one of the leaders in Ontario in like in your response to like to how things kicked off literally almost a year ago um like when things were starting uh, like we're starting to look dicey and um if i remember right i think you may have even been ahead of a couple of the government mandated uh, uh, mandated shutdowns um in, uh, like and in going a bit further than what the like, than what the laws required can you uh, like, can you talk about what uh, like what kind of led your decision making process and how you guys kind of decided um, how you were going to uh, like how you were going to like what well, what led you to those decisions to uh, like to kind of take the measures that you did that were over and beyond what the government required in terms of like in terms of you guys shutting down and how you continue to operate. I appreciate the way you frame the question. There's nothing worse than a small business person ranting and ranting and ranting about pivoting. It's the most boring conversation <laughs> to be had these days. So I'm going to try and spare you all that. But um, I think the way you've asked the question is interesting. So I'll try to my best to answer it. Um, yeah, it was like a year ago. It was like uh, just this gaping hole opened in the earth beneath us. And uh, to be honest with you, I think we fumbled around for at least a, you know a, a bit at the beginning. Um, you know, and there were conversations that we had as a team. I remember there were there were, there were members on our team who were not comfortable that we were planning to still be open to have people coming in to buy beer at the bar. Um, I, you know, knowing like that we were going to close, like in my heart, I was like, "There's no way we're going to be open Monday." And there was like a birthday party in the tap room on a Saturday, and we're dragging like a pallet out to the side of the building where we're setting up a drive-through. And meanwhile, the the tap room is packed, and we're like, "Oh my god, this is just not good." Um, and of course, you know, there's so much we didn't understand or know at the time, but I, I think, I, I think we wanted to, uh, get through it. I think that was the biggest early motivator to sort of realize that like, if, if, if you go to zero, um, there's not really a lot of runway to ever get open again. Um, and, 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 and you know, there's over 20 people who come to work at that building every day. So, uh, you definitely feel a certain obligation to not fuck it up. Um, and on the other hand, 
you don't just want to like try to pretend like nothing's happening and just expect that people who are human beings and 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 are are, are living through one of the most tumultuous moments of their life um, you don't just want to expect that they just snap to and keep working like nothing else is going on um, and you have to be up to the fact that it's hard and stressful and scary and frightening and that you don't even know what's happening so it was a it was a balance of like we need to survive and we need to be good and do right by our people and frankly i'm not you know we were never interested in being a super spreader event so i think you know we we wanted to leave a wide berth um not knowing what was really going on or or, or what the right thing to do was um to try to not be part of the problem and i think we still feel that way i mean we haven't been open ever since um we haven't served yeah. a beer in a year now so um you know, so yeah, so you know, I think we continue to kind of be uh, probably too cautious for some people, and um, I, I think we'll 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 feel really good when the day comes that we pour beer again for somebody. So I, I'm hopeful it's not too long from now. That's amazing. Man. I had no idea that you guys actually made that proactive decision to to stay closed the whole time. Um, was that yeah, to this day, uh, yeah. you can swing by our drive-through or we can drive it to your house, but the only way you get a beer uh, is in a can these days. Okay. Was that from a, like, was it from an, uh, like abundance of caution or maybe a distrust in the government sort of thing, or just sort of rather taking it into your own hands rather than like waiting to be dictated to? Definitely. I think there's a certain amount of it that just feels like you have more control. I really feel for people who've been on the roller coaster of got to close. Okay. You can open again, but yeah, I, I just think, that's really difficult on people and it's difficult on a team and um, it's hard to plan. And mm -hmm. frankly, I, it's hard to, 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 to make a buck. I think when you are constantly changing around. So to have been fortunate to find something that was going to work relatively early on. And for us, that was like, you know, we sort of looked at each other and said, is it gauche of us to offer to drive beer to your house? <laughs> or do we look like we're taking advantage of a situation? Like that was a real discussion, right? Wow. Uh, but that's been our business now for a year. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that we found that as quickly as we could. And we found a way to get it done. But um, when we found that that was working, I think we just kind of decided, let's not mess with this and start into a bunch of roads that we're going to have to turn back on quickly and you know the idea of bringing people back to have them go away again was just something we never wanted to do so mm. other than a brief moment where a couple of people put their hands up to 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 stop coming to work you know we've been able to keep everybody on the team working not necessarily doing the job they were hired for but they're working and they're on the team and that feels very good i was about to ask that that's amazing that's amazing to hear that uh, that you guys have been able to keep um, to, to keep everyone working. Um, I know that definitely hasn't been the case for uh, um, for everyone in this industry. It uh, that that's really impressive that you guys that, that you guys have been able to do that. And um, for me, the importance that you guys put on keeping your staff safe. And keeping the uh, like and keeping your customers safe, um, really like really says a lot about the people you are and and kind of what uh, like what your priorities in your uh, like in the decisions that that you make as a business. And I like I personally love to see that uh, that it's been able to work. That the like that the doorstop delivery has been able to work. The like the drive-through system that the, like that you guys uh, have got going on is like is just brilliant. And um, 
it's one of those things of when we see those kinds of priorities put at the like put at the forefront it's like the like we really 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 can't wait to come out the other side of this and be able to have like and be able to walk in the front door and like and have a beer like at your bar again <laughs> when it's safe to do so thanks man yeah we're we're looking forward to having you back um, we are planning to to have a, an outdoor beer garden this year, which I'm excited about. So the game plan is by May, you know, uh, whatever restrictions are at the time, we'll we'll live with them. But uh, to have you know some kind of limited outdoor seating, um, and and uh, be able to sell sell you a beer again. So you know that that's that's thrilling to think about. That's cool. Something to look forward to, right? Yeah, uh, just a real quick couple of really nice before you jump in there, Nate. A couple of good comments. This is something super cool. Tiff, Tiff is like class act. These men, wonderful humans, could not agree more. Um, this is a uh, this is a cool one. Rick Parent, shouts to Rick. He comes through occasionally. He says, when doing our family budget, there was simply no hiding the insane amount of Dominion City purchases I have made from my wife. Fortunate to have had every single release since moving to Ottawa in 2018. Uh, absolutely wow! Love yeah, that's amazing. impressive. Uh, absolutely love what the team is producing and the charitable hooks towards the community. A true gem in Ottawa. Well said, sir. Well said. I just want to say that uh, Rick uh, is the nicest man on Twitter and the nicest man probably on Untapped. I can only assume, but uh, he's a good fellow. So appreciate all your support, man. <laughs> That's Rick comes through occasionally. I didn't realize uh, that that was the connection. So uh, extra, extra respect, Rick. Thanks, bro. See, like this is the shit, though, man. Like all the th- the funniest thing is just that to keep seeing that reiterated, the things that like maybe Nate and I talk a lot about this stuff. So we already feel the same way and Tiff as well. So the whole team already feels that, but it's extra cool to see someone I don't know say the exact same thing about you guys and that you guys are truly, I mean, maybe you don't, maybe you realize, maybe you don't like the, the impact that you're having on the, on the community around you. And I know you're all extraordinarily humble and you won't ever sort of take the complete credit for it, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's just really cool to see, particularly from a, a brewery that's, you know, a business that you wouldn't necessarily expect to sort of be that community-focused that's, you know, never, I even know it's about the community. It's just really cool to see because you don't have to do any of these things. And you continually do so at an extraordinarily high and dedicated level to, to service as many different, um, you know, individuals in society that, that to, to make things better for them and, and more... Um, accessible and 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 just equitable and fair and it's just wonderful and you guys really deserve all the all the praise you could possibly uh receive rick is a legend from jesse which is amazing we fuck with y'all guys heavy is what we're saying <laughs> yeah that's what we're saying <laughs> that's basically what we're saying um what, like, Thanks, guys. while we're also talking about uh like about kind of how things have changed um uh, with the pandemic and like another new thing in the past year Friends of the Dominion, yeah. like that's a like that's like that's a big new like new thing on the scene that like that we didn't have before. Um, can you guys talk about what uh, what that was like? Like starting that up, like how um, like kind of how you kick that off, uh, like how you uh, um, like how you decide what like what you're gonna like what you're gonna have there. What was that like? Kind of curating that and setting that up. Well, when it comes to Friends of the Dominion, uh, Jesse and Andrew Farrell are legends. So you should really be beaming them in to talk about this. This is their baby. But uh, okay. I mean, for, for for those people who don't know, 
you know, the, what, what changed with all this was the provincial government, Ontario, let us basically sell other people's, if you, if you have a liquor license, uh, you're allowed to sell stuff to go with food. So, uh, food is, uh, something we have interpreted broadly to include bags of potato <laughs> chips, <laughs> which is a step above people who, uh, a few friends of ours, we know who are just literally sending people away with a single potato with their purchase. But, uh, <laughs> That's so good. but, um, this is this is the loophole <laughs> it's actually pretty cool yeah, um thank you right but for us what it's really meant is that like we could we could have a lot of fun programming a lineup um that's like housed on our online shop of you know um beer wine and cider from ontario producers that we admire so at any given time you know we've got a, a you know a couple dozen releases um stuff that's fresh and cool stuff that is not at the lcbo is kind of the only common denominator it's got to be made in ontario and it's got to not be at the lcbo um but other than that we've we've had geez i don't even know how many different producers have been on there maybe jesse or or, or farrell know but um it's been really cool and it's been something we've seen kind of grow month after month after month and uh um it's like to say nothing of like very enjoyable just to be able to have like a rotation of cool stuff in my fridge all the time so it's a bit dangerous. Yeah, man, I can imagine. Uh, Jesse's saying cans I'm of I'm drinking more juice. wine. You're drinking more wine now? I'm drinking more wine for sure. Yeah, it's been just having, uh, you know, and Jesse's really opened my eyes to a lot of different stuff, but it's been very cool to uh, to have some really neat stuff come through and just been really enjoying it. So I love that, man. Are you doing, uh, you guys getting rosewood and stuff in? Lots of rosewood. Yeah. Big fans of what those guys do. Um, Scotty spent a bunch of time at Harvest down at uh, Hinterland. Those guys are good friends as well. Jonas was actually through the brewery today, um, nice. but very cool to have their stuff around. And um, you know, it's like people who like interesting beer; uh, they they like interesting cider, they like interesting wine, and if they can get it all in one place, um, and the next time they come, there's something new for them to try. It's like a no-brainer, right? So um, it, it's kind of one of these cool things where they've made space for small businesses to kind of play around and try to, and I think it's working. And, uh, I think it's the kind of thing probably that's going to become bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh yeah. Um, Jesse saying cans of space juice light. I imagine that's the barn cat, uh, for sale tomorrow morning, by the way, or he's just saying, and, uh, Andrew, just thanks for the tip there, saying. Jesse. I'm going to make note of that. <laughs> Please do. And Andrew yeah. saying cold cans. Is that a, is that a in joke inside joke? Cold cans? I think it's probably because they drove a mom mobile back from the GTA like for eight hours today, full of of stuff for the friends of the Dominion shelves. So they're probably a bit punch drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And the beer is probably cold because it's minus 15. Because it's out of control. The the thing I was going to actually mention about that was that if I'm not mistaken, you were, um, oh cool, Jesse gave us a stat here. Uh, Almost 50 different breweries and 30 different wineries. Jesus, that's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. It's so cool. So if I'm not mistaken, I remember seeing the post when it first came up. And I remember once again, yet another first, you guys were doing the drive-thru, which was the first thing you did. And the first week you did the drive-thru, which was insane. I don't even think I saw any really many other breweries, maybe a few, but like not that many do a drive-thru situation. So already you were um, uh, innovating there. But the this came out of like you guys were like, oh, we're out of beer. We can't keep up like what the fuck this is a, a pandemic and everything's crazy no one knows but we can't keep up with the beer so you're like all right let's fill this need by servicing our local area um 
deliveries and 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 now clients that we love and we want to make sure they still have beer by buying some beer from our friends and then on selling that to everybody else so you know if you unless you're in cambridge you're not going to get barn cat and so on and so forth so it came from that which is even cooler because it was sort of a selfless thing where you're like ah shit like we need to service these people i imagine that it was just like you guys sort of on selling wholesale to retail so there wouldn't even be a ton of cash in it so that's why i'm saying it's more selfless because you're like well i want to keep people drinking and i and i guess it started a trend it seems like that was the trend yeah, that well, was I, kicked off we definitely were out of beer for a while last spring yeah i remember it was sort of stressful yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, one of the, I mean, and Scott can speak to this, but I mean, I, I, just over a year ago, we did a festival, believe it or not. They had like hundreds of people really at the place. brewery under a tent in February. And uh, we had, you know, breweries from across Ontario, Canada, the United States, and even beer from overseas. But um, I think one of the really satisfying things over the last couple of years is we've kind of got our feet under us, has been like getting out of the brewery and going and kind of building relationships and getting to know people who are making beer other places taking inspiration and doing collaborations and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think this felt like a really logical next step. I mean, we had these genuine friendships with people who make stuff that we really enjoy. And like when the leash came off that we were actually allowed to buy and sell it, it felt like, yeah, like, of course I want to sell Willibald and we want to have Barncat around. And um, I think we're all just like stoked to be able to get back to going to other breweries and having people into our place again. That's dope. That's so cool. Uh, Jesse's also saying the Willibold Triple IPA. So tomorrow morning's a big, big one, guys. Set your alarms. It's not a joke out here. Oh, probably well. not too, probably not too early. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what, <is that? laughs> what time does it go live? Like noon or something for people who want to go cop. Yeah, I'll wait for the next comment. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jesse. Jesse will tell us. This is great. This is very convenient. Um. Yeah. This is, this is good to have this tip line here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. And then Pharrell, what's he saying? Uh, he's saying Van Bagini. <laughs> 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 such a zany prick. I love Andrew, man. He's such a funny prick. Um, yeah, no, that, that's been uh, that's been like a really cool thing. And it's uh, has it been cool to see other people sort of follow suit? I mean, I imagine it came from that. I really just feel like you guys were doing it first. Everyone almost seemed like stunned with what was happening. And then you guys just immediately took action and, and had the drive through. And I really like the way that you promote it. Cause I remember talking about it like that week or the next week on the podcast, whatever we were doing at the time, I can't even remember probably this and being like, yo, they're going to turn up. And then the, you press the trunk button and it opens it up and they're going to put with gloves on the beer in the trunk and then close your trunk. And then you just drive off and you just show them your order number. You don't have to breathe on anyone. And like, everything's good. It was just like such a, like, like you were saying, Josh before, like no one knew what was going on. And we were all like, we, we weren't wearing masks at the time we were just sanitizing a lot and not really thinking about it. And this was sort of like, Oh, it's just, it was just a solution that made complete sense. And that continued to make sense as we got more information. Um, so that was super cool. And then obviously doing this served multiple uh, purposes. So was it cool for you both to be able to see other people taking on that? Or did you attribute other people doing the same thing to what you kicked off? I, I'm sure everybody was kind of in a scramble to figure out whatever they could. I mean, we definitely are lucky that we have a horseshoe-shaped parking lot around our building. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to overstate the genius that went into this idea. Like, oh, we can drive around this building. Um, so, you know, we were, <laughs> we were fortunate in some respects. But, 
Um, but yeah, I think we were just, you know what, it, like everybody would probably admit at this point, um, if nothing else, this last year has forced a lot of reconsideration, right? Like a, a reexamination of things you thought you knew, um, stuff you didn't think you could do, you really kind of have to question um, because you don't have a choice, you have to figure it out. So um, I think everybody's been, been doing that. And, and frankly, like, you know, we've taken lots of inspiration. We're actually at a pop-up within a pop-up to this weekend in Toronto, uh, friends of ours at Fairweather Brewery have uh, kind of built a residency at a wine bar in Little Tibet, and uh, they're kind enough to host a Dominion City <laughs> can pop up in Toronto. So, um, you know, I, there's 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 no shortage of, of of people coming up with creative ways to share what they do, and and frankly, these are things that they couldn't have done a year ago. So, I think there's just kind of a neat energy. Um, and uh, patios across Ottawa last year. Um, Bar Lupulus, I, I know you guys both know that place and a bunch of your listeners probably do too. Oh, yeah. but, I mean, they, they did a beautiful job um, expanding their patio. Uh, Anthony over there did a lot of work to kind of build something that, that works in this environment. And, you know, I think we we're all really admired what he did there. That's great. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it, it's great. They really did do a good job um, uh, like w- with that patio. It's it, like it's one of those places that uh, um, like, like that was one of the few places that I went to last summer to uh, like to hit up a few patios. It was and it was one of those ones that you really did feel uh, like you did feel safe at. Like you like you didn't feel nervous there. You really felt like they like everything that they did to set that up was very deliberate and. Um, and they're another one who have uh, like who have set up a really good um, uh, like collection of stuff from around the province that uh, like that you can get there. Um, like between uh, like between you guys and them, like, like we can like there's almost nothing we can't uh, we can't get here. It's pretty great. It's very cool, man. What a time to be alive, right? Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. It's cool to see that because Craig, other- we. Uh, uh, go on, go on. Sorry, go ahead. No, please. So I was please. just going to say, are we? Uh, are, is it about time for us to get another beer? Damn right it is. Yeah. What are we doing? Uh, is it whose turn? <laughs> you know what, Nate? It's your turn because I picked paper salesman. All right. Uh, why don't we go IPA this time? Why and let's bust out something new. Why don't we go Land of Hope? Land of Hope. Fair. You ever get a beer called Land of Hope? I'm not sure which fridge it is. You might have to. Is it small or big? It's one of the yeah, short cans. Sure, sure. Yeah, little one. Little one. I actually don't know, but all the ones in the small fridge are at the front, so you can take a quick squeeze. Um, got a couple quick comments on this one. Rick is saying uh, we'll need to stop by tomorrow for some of that barn cat and Willibald. Jesse's saying I'll be up at five thirty, so why not five <laughs> thirty? <laughs> you know what? That's that's true. He will be. <laughs> right? He will be. Why would he? Oh yeah. What's it called again, Josh? Land of Hope. Land of Hope, yep. Land of Hope. Yeah. What color is it? Peach. It's a nice little it's peachy peach. apricot. Peach color. Tiff is looking for, I didn't really tell her where to look, and she's like, where is this damn beer? Got I'll his, find it. She'll find it, don't worry. She's a, she's a sleuth. Um, why is Jesse, Jesse, why are you up at 5.30? That's crazy talk. I don't, I don't like hearing that. Um, <laughs> Bruce Morris. Bruce is a bloody legend Canadian who's who uh, lives in Dallas, Texas, and luckily he's all safe from all the craziness out there. He says, I think the pandemic has transformed or re-energized the marketing efforts of the breweries. The connection to the brew heads has become stronger. I think I think you're right, man. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on, on that comment at all? Uh, 
I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Scott. Scott, <laughs> field that one. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think about, uh, you know, there's, there's not really many storefronts you can just walk into anymore. So you have to take your marketing to uh, a different sort of. You have to take your marketing down a different path, right? Like mm. people can only see you through social media. They can only see you through your website. Um, like a storefront with uh, just a table and you can buy beer and leave. Um, so you have to get pretty creative. Uh, that's for sure. Um, I don't know. Pe- people got a lot of time on their hands these days. So so if, <laughs> if brew heads are, are more connected to them, like, I don't know, there's, there's lots of people doing, doing cool all the time like if these guys are more connected now like like that's great um i don't know what that would be like we're sort of doing stuff the same way we've always been doing it um but uh yeah i mean it might mean that people have to have an initiative to to have a stronger social media presence or better website but i don't know outside of that we're just doing what we're, we're, we were doing i like that though I think you you made a really good point, man. Because something that uh, you know Tiff and I, as uh, people who own a marketing agency or social media agency, is that uh, basically the only way people are going to find out about new products is via social media and and all digital efforts. Everything else that was sort of physical prior to that, you know, walking into a bar, seeing a tap, seeing a chalkboard, um, LCBO, two degrees, obviously still there. Um, you know, is is kind of out the window. So you know, it's really the the that connection to the community that's formed via social media has probably become more and more important now for for breweries to actually lean into and um actually uh you know really because not everyone was doing it you guys have an exception like tiff was saying before with uh, what randy's doing is it's exceptional on on you we always comment that and like i think we've told you in person in the past that we use you guys as this is what brewery social media should look like. Like you guys are just a one with it. Um, you know, it's it's really important that that that's continued. Um, that that community, sorry, growth continues through there and that interaction and engagement. And I know that uh, Randy's really good with that. Re, you know, reposting and commenting on stuff and everything. It's just uh, it's a it's a totally different time, and a lot of breweries have had to. Pro- you guys were already good, already fantastic. Sorry. Uh, not everyone was sort of taking it that serious. And then all of a sudden there's probably like quite a steep learning curve where they're like, oh shit, like now what are we going to do? We're going to have to really double down. I mean, I think back to when we built, we built our website in, uh, I guess it was the fall of 2018. I don't remember now, but when we built it, literally, I remember our designer, uh, Ryan called me up and he was like, uh, you want to like sell beer on this website? Or it was an afterthought. Like it was, Right. We were like, yeah, I guess we could like make it a store. I don't think anyone's going to buy it, but sure. And uh, the fact that we, I mean, last summer we totally stripped everything under the hood down and, and rebuilt it. So all the guts got like improved, but we had something that on day one worked, which sure. was a huge help. Um, you know, I'm really, I'm really grateful that he suggested it. <laughs> Sorry, I have to keep uh, that in front of you guys. Um, <laughs> that's a... That's a really good point. I'm gonna keep doing this all night. I like I had paper sales before, so I didn't have to take the photo. Um, the fact that a lot of breweries didn't have the website and they like had to like scramble to be like, all right, well, this is how we're going to be able to sell beer in Ontario now, because obviously here in Quebec we can't do that. Breweries here don't have that option. Um, you know, in Ontario, at the very least, I do like that. You know, as much as you know, the, both governments have dropped significant balls along the way. Um, 
Ontario has been able to do the things like the Friends of Dominion type of stuff, where most of the time here, I don't believe that's an option. And then on top of that, you guys have been able to sell direct, which is just such a phenomenal lifesaver. I think it's just so, so cool. that. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I honestly, at this point, I don't, I don't know how anybody in Quebec is making a go of it. It's just damned impressive that people are hanging on and fighting away because um, that's uh, that's huge, right? The ability to, to sell you something and, and, and bring it to you has really been our whole business now for a year. So grateful for that. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, obviously, plus the pickup, but you know, between those two, that's really it, right? Yeah, between those, that's it. Yeah, it's um, kind of crazy. Um, and I mean, I'm not blowing smoke when I say this. I, I think we have the best fans uh, anywhere. Like, I think our, our folks are engaged and, uh, you know, we try to make sure that we we do things that, like, keep them in mind and that, and that feel there's a bit of meaning or, or purpose behind what we're doing that's beyond just serving ourselves as well. And I, 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 think, I think that has connected with people. But yes. honestly, man, like, I just, I think about this last year and, like, the number of people who continue to let me know that they're buying from us because they love the beer, they love the product, but they believe in us and they want us to be around. They want us to do well and they they want us to be there on the other side of this thing. I mean, I've been hearing that for a year now. And the, the, the thing is, it's like literally worked. Like It's yeah. literally the reason why everyone's still working and we're able to keep doing what we're doing is because we have this like really amazing group of people who are pulling for us. And yeah. uh and vote with their with their wallets go up at our drive through it's amazing so, so cool. i um i'd be remiss if i didn't like note that cuz we just have the best people yeah man both inside and uh, and out and all tracks it, right? it's all uh, the energy you guys are putting it That's out great. there you bring in getting the staff you getting the fire customers shit what else what else do you mean <laughs> can we uh just really quickly touch on uh, this land of hope glorious uh, little peach gem Right here, which, from what I understand, is 100% Simcoe, according to my good friends on Untapped. I'm going <laughs> yeah, to give it, it 3.75. Untapped is right. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Uh, yeah, it's, Just it's like all Simcoe. <laughs> I would never give a Dominion City less than four. All right, don't ever think that would happen. Never. Okay? <laughs> In your life. Sorry, Scott, please continue. I apologize for Nathan's rudeness. No, no, it's good. <laughs> it's an all Simcoe IPA, you know, like it's it's uh, got uh, uh, oats in it, like most of ours. Uh, it just so happens this time we used all Simcoe. Um, Simcoe is kind of like it, at its best. I think it's uh, like pineapple juice with just like this beefy dankness to it, you know, like. It should be off. It's just like pungent, pungent, pungent. So, um, anyways, we, yeah, we, we haven't done a ton of all Simcoe IPAs, so this was a really nice experiment. Um, but I think it came out all right um, and showcasing both sides of Simcoe, that big tropical fruit and that, like, big grassy dankness on the other side of it, too. That's uh, – I was just, like, when taking my uh, my little notes, but I didn't even pick the dankness. I was like, I'm missing something here. That's what it was. I do like that because it's such a tropical, fruity – like real smooth like new england but it's got this wicked dank that just gives it this kind of like whole other um side to it that you probably wouldn't expect from someone like simcoe that's such an aromatic like tropical hop yeah simcoe's a big hop it's like very oily very resiny and uh what what i like about like new england ipas and hazy ipas is like the yeast profile takes what would usually be like an overly dank hop 
and can really showcase the fruity side of it. Uh, and I think like this is a pretty good case of that. Like if we do a uh, beer with a really clean ale, something that would ferment like a, a blonde ale, um, it wouldn't come out like the, nearly the same way. Um, but if you take a nice fruit that sort of um, they can they can take it away and turn it into something else. It can really like amplify these tropical notes and, and showcase the hop in a different way. Um, so uh, Simcoe is one of those ones like you can put it in like a super dank West Coast IPA. Like that's where the the popularity came from. Mm. Um, you know, think like Russian River, like bitter, aromatic, uh, grassy IPAs, and then or you could also use in like a big juicy IPA, and it could be extremely tropical. Um, so it's it's really versatile. Uh, we've been using it a lot more lately and it, it like, it's basically, it's a classic, but we haven't used a ton of it. Um, but lately, lately it's in high rotation. Love it. I don't think, I, I it's one of those it. ones that doesn't get a lot, like that doesn't get a lot of spotlight, um, as a solo hop. Um, so it, like, it, it's great to have something like this to, like, like to showcase all of the, uh, like all of the notes that you, like that you highlighted there. It's a, a beautiful hop i was thinking i was about to say literally the exact same thing that like i don't recall many all simcoe beers but it's usually like in a melange or whatever and i i wasn't aware that it had that resonant dank side i always just thought it was when i think simcoe i think this you know pineapple passion fruit type of uh big aromatic thing so that's this is fascinating to try like that it's great um, Sweet, yeah. When it's when it's only a single hop like that, and there's nothing else to play with it, like it, it just, it's just you're just seeing that hop through and through, right? So, yeah. usually like a, a a huge amount, and uh, and you, like you'll get the the essence of Simcoe, which is uh, to me balancing like a little bit of both sides of it, uh, tropical, dank. It both should be there a little bit. Hell yeah, man. Do you know what? This has got nothing to do with This is one of my favorite beers we've released in a long time. I, you I, drinking I, that I now? Got this. Yeah. I am drinking that now. And it's, it's, it's been in my fridge. I just keep bringing more home, but it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm loving it. But yeah, it's exceptional. Nice. The, the mouthfeel is. What happened to loggers all night? Yeah, I know, right? What are we doing? <laughs> Wait, yeah, what's going on, Josh? What's happening? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm entitled to <laughs> Sometimes you need to switch it up. I wanted to just very randomly bring up just because I was thinking of the mouthfeel. And I was telling someone this the other day, the greatest black IPA I've ever had was Melody Noir. To this day, nothing even comes remotely close. I had it with you guys at Ren's event. Blew my fucking mind. I Andrew is a, a beautiful man. He brought me some not too long after and I had it out of the can. So I had it on, on draft and then I had it on the can. And it was just the mouthfeel of a black IPA. It just If you closed your eyes, you were drinking a what at like a 7% New England IPA bright yellow thing. And it was just the most magical mouthfeel I've ever experienced. I've never felt that in a black IPA before. I don't know if you want to just very, I know we don't have it and it's not out right now, but I just wanted to bring it up because it's just, I think about it from time to time. It was like, it just, it just pops into my head. Like, that makes oh. my night. Honestly, I want to just say that that makes my night, Greg. Like, that's the nicest yeah. thing. That's so nice. It's yeah, just, thanks. You know what I mean? Sometimes <laughs> just, I think about it. I'm like, yo, uh, people talk about black IPAs lately. And I was just like, oh, man. Is this nothing's, nothing's, <laughs> I've never had anything like it. So whatever you did, Scott, you're a goddamn magician, bro. That, that yeah. feel can, I don't know if you know what I probably happened. didn't take notes. I, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. <laughs> Never gonna happen again. I, I don't know. You just want to get it, you know? <laughs> Josh is gonna I kill you. I hope you're keeping getting better, but at that time it was spotty at best. 
<laughs> Are you going to do it again is really what I need to know. We'll probably do it again, yeah. Yeah, at some point. Black IPAs are tough. Are tough. Like, They're tough uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know our like sales history on them, but um, I feel like they've always performed okay for us. But they have this sort of like, like uh, amongst brewers that like, there's a lot of them that don't like the black IPA style. Yeah, hmm. um, I, I don't. Most of the time. <laughs> You I straight up don't. Some of them taste like ashtray and, and they're gnarly. They're not all good. <laughs> yeah, like if they take like a really roasty stout and then hop the shit out of it and it's bitter and acrid, like yeah. that's not good. Yeah. Whatever you guys did to achieve this. It can balance. be a tough one. Go on, Nate. Oh, I was just gonna say like it can be uh, like it's a it, it can be a bit of a weird style because like you were just saying, Scott, it, like it kind of tastes like, like a, like a really hopped up stout. Like it is like, cause it's one of those styles that, uh, that like bridges the divide, like between those two, that's the, the, that's kind of exactly what I think of you you know, you've got the mix of that hot profile of an IPA with a huge roasted malt vibe, uh, vibe of a stout. And, I feel like where it lands in the middle can really kind of make or break the direction, uh, like the direction that it goes. If it's going too far on, uh, like on one side or the other, the other aspect of it feels really out of place. So it's got, uh, so it's got to strike that, uh, strike that right balance, which is really hard to hit. Mm-hmm. And with the the mouthfeel that you guys managed to strike, as Craig was talking about with Melody Noir, it was uh, like it was really something special. So, so it's kind of funny. We, we actually just take like sun split and then we add like this really dark extract to it, like a syrup. <laughs> and, we just pour it and it just colors it. It's like food coloring for beer. It barely tastes like anything. Yeah. And then boof. And, uh, I'm serious. That's how we, <laughs> we don't, uh, like we, we've tried it a bunch of ways. We've tried it. We've tried uh, black IPAs with a ton of different grains. Um, we've tried, uh, you know, just one barley, some oats, and then a dark malt extract. And, and, and I think we landed somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, I think we just like learned that it's like a perception thing. It has to look like it's a stout, but tastes like an IPA and can't really, and it can't really be roasty at all. It has to be like just dark enough. Mm. So that's, that's, that's where, uh, that's where I, I ordered some syrup from a catalog and we dumped it in until it looked dark enough. And then we called it a day. I don't know whether to believe you. That's really interesting. (laughs) That's That's really interesting because one of the things that I remember about that beer (laughs) is that it does like it looks different than any other IPA that I've seen because like it's it's not like that pure black that you would normally see from like from most IPAs. It's got like a creamy brown tinge uh, tinge to it. Like it it does look different. Like do you uh, like you remember that, Craig? You remember it looks different, right? Yeah. so that's why I'm, I'm still trying to compute whether you're bullshitting me or not. Like you dead ass. <laughs> no, I don't think he's bullshitting. I think Scott, this is true. Scott has an uncanny ability to make genius sound like absolute stupidity. Okay. But it's not. <laughs> it is. It... Okay. So hang on, hang on, hang on. So you're not using dark malt barely at all. It's literally a, barely color, at all. a coloring agent. Which is the genius well, because well, that's why they all suck. So like some, as a style, it sucks yeah, it's, because right. most of them taste like ashtray because make, people make them hoppy stouts. So right. I think the genius that's going unsta- understated here is that Scott discovered a way yeah. to make it not suck. 
Yeah, like, like they, they can't actually taste like they're dark, if that makes sense. Mm. And, and, and you, you should not tell people who make a white stout. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you if you make a white stout, you're trying to make a, a blonde ale that tastes like a stout. So yes. it's like it's it's uh, you know tricks. You know, you're, you're you're using different ingredients to make it taste that way. Uh, black IPAs are sort of the same way. Like you, you use a hazy IPA, so you get that creamy mouthfeel, a bunch of oats, uh, and then you got to get it dark. And you don't have to do like if I make like a imperial stout, there's every type of caramel malt and, and specialty malt in between. But if we do a black IPA, it's really simple. You just have to get it dark. On top, of, like it has to be a good IPA that you just turn dark. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I am serious. So it's really just a dark daisy <laughs> IPA. Come in a jug. It comes in a jug. It's called Cinnamar. It's real easy to use. It works very well. <laughs> is, is is that like frowned upon or anything, or it's like it's a cool thing? And because you know how people are a bit funny about that shit. That's why I thought you were joking. Depends. Depends who you talk to. I think it's one of those things like uh, like. Um, uh, you know, people who like look down on Budweiser being made with, uh, you know, adjuncts in some way, whether it's like corn syrup or whatever it's being made with. Um, yeah, there's lots of malt extracts and I, we use them in dark beers all the time. They're just kind of funny. Like they, they, they work I mean, really well. You can just add them. Okay. We're on the line uh, with yeah, Team Lactose so here, so I don't feel like we'll be judged. Oh, no, no, no. No judgment yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, Team Lactose all day. Are you guys Team Lactose, by the way? I've actually stopped using know. lactose and dextrin. <laughs> but I mean, that's okay. yeah, I'm, I'm team lactose. Okay, my man, my man, Josh. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you guys, you guys have had a handful of la of lactose beers because there was the, the like there was the Fruit Loops beer, there was the uh, there was the Key Lime beer, there was the Pop Tarts beer. One of the crowning yeah, achievements of our, of our time was. The cease and desist from Kellogg. So. <laughs> was that for the Fruity Loops one? Yeah, the Fruity Loops one. That was, it was for several beers. There were there, there were there were several offenses. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not coming back, is what you're telling me. No, those ones have to go away forever. Okay. Otherwise, the legal department at Kellogg's will, <laughs> will, uh... will be back to me. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could just make that was the too beers funny and rename them. I guess, but still, what's the point of that? Yeah, what's the point? We, we we don't have attention spans to keep doing the same thing over and over, really. Like, yeah, boring. Boring. <laughs> no, I love that. I think Scott might have frozen again. He's looking very aggressive in the camera here. I'm, I'm a bit scared. Um, <laughs> we got a bunch of questions that have come up in the meantime. Yeah, I know we uh, we derailed. This is this is the good time right here. Uh, Rick is saying, is the Rooted in Place Festival going to be an annual event post-COVID? Um, I, so the talk after we did it the first time was there's 0% chance we're doing this next year, right. <laughs> but maybe the year after. So I, I, I feel like maybe it'll be a thing that we do every two years, which means okay. should be happening next February. Um, turns out though, one of the things that is not easy still in this province is bringing beer across a, a land border. So, um, that process has got to start sooner rather than later if it's going to happen. But, uh, we had a great time. It was a, it was an absolutely awesome process so we want to do it again i heard from multiple people it was honestly a blast it was um it, it, like it was one of the best festivals i like i can never remember going to 
it was just one of those things like it really it really felt like a dominion city festival um like it, it was one of those things of like you know it's it, like it's the middle of February and it was one of the coldest days of the month. I remember, <laughs> I, I, I remember, but yeah, but like you guys had it so well set up, like it was nice and warm in those tents. It was, it, it didn't feel too crowded. No one was drunk or belligerent. Um, like the, the, like the people behind, like the people behind the taps were enjoying themselves as much, like as much as all the guests, like it really gathering of friends. It was like, it was a really beautiful thing. And I, and I, really really hope to be able to go to, to go back to you guys hosting that festival again yeah we want to do it again too it was, it was so fun um and it was just really cool we were driving guys around you know ottawa who'd come in from you know kansas city and uh you know um north carolina and stuff and it, it felt very cool to uh bring them to our city uh in february in the depths of winter um we rented a cottage the night before the festival and took a bunch of brewers up and it was it was honestly pretty magical looking back on it, um, especially from where I sit now. Yeah, right. <laughs> the idea of being at a cottage with anybody sounds pretty good. But, uh, <laughs> they, uh, that was what yeah, I heard no. about most. All the brewers who I spoke to were telling us about the cottage. I kept thinking, like, oh, it's just amazing. They were just losing their minds. Well, we just had these like big, fat snowflakes while the guys were playing pickup on the lake, and it was it, you know there was some magic that mother nature delivered for us, which was cool. But even the festival, like um, I, I agree with Nathan, like we just had the right crowd. Like people showed up with in the right spirit. It was an all-inclusive ticket, but you know, you weren't lining up for tokens once you were there. And with a festival like that, there's always a risk of course that people get carried away and uh, it's not very fun at the end of the night, but that, that really didn't happen at all. And, uh, and then that was great. So I don't know. Yeah. I think we've all caught our breath. Probably, uh, I, don't, I don't know. We'll have to make a, a hard decision, but I think that we'll definitely do it again for sure. I love it. You're gonna be there next time. I, I heard too much about it. Uh, Bruce Morris or oh, Scott, were you gonna say something, bro? No, man. It, it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. We, we I'd love to do that again. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I like going to festivals. You guys like going to festivals? Like, they're a lot. They're a ton of fun. Yeah. You know. It's been a while. To be honest, I kind of got festivaled out for a little bit there in 2019 because I feel like 2017, 18, now we were just going bonkers with festivals. And like for me, and I'm absolutely being a complaining ass first world problems person right now, but like it's work when I'm going there as the beer media because there's photos and reviews and video. We have to film a vlog and like we're going to try and capture everything. So it's sort of like, I always get like mad stressed about festivals. Um, and then because it's always like rushing, we're always late for everything. So I'm always like, oh, we don't eat enough beforehand and you got to have the foundation before you're drinking with that volume and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of got over them. But now that it's been a year and a half, at least since I've been to something, um, I'm definitely feeling like I, I'm, you know, I had my break, my forced break from it, you know. So it's, uh, it, it would be very welcome at this point to get back into if there's into, if there was one for you to come back to rooted in place would be the one to do it for <laughs> yeah the one that actually because of all the everything i heard was about how good it was was rooted in place the other one was Fuduni, which was supposed to be last august which was every two years as well that was amazing that yeah. was probably the best festival i ever went to um we got yeah, we were really looking to, forward uh, to that yeah, yeah, I was extremely excited to go to that. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully that happens again because I'd I'd love to go. Did you guys? Did any of you guys go to the first one? I don't think you did, Nate. But 
I didn't. No. No? Yeah, it was... Uh, it was no, just it's been magic. on our list for a long time. It was yeah, just because it, it was amazing. Like at a field on the border of Vermont, like in Quebec, with like eight feet tall sunflowers and like Cantillon next to Jester King, next to Orval and Bellwoods and Burdock and fucking Maltstrom and all like all the Quebec guys. Were, it was just like such a nice mix of stuff. And everyone didn't get too smashed. And, and it, it, not, it was just like, just really, really nice. It was, and, you know, because it was like mid-August, so it was super hot. And, you know, it was it was lovely, goddammit. Um, I'm going to run through these comments before I let them rank, uh, bank up too much. Bruce Morris saying, nice shirt, Nate. I think you went, you stood up before and you saw the, oh, uh, yeah. the shirt. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, yeah, so uh, shouts to uh, shouts to Chris from High Gravity Supply Co. That's uh, the, the, the that's what this design is. He makes some good stuff. So yeah, go ahead and check him out. <laughs> yes, he does some great stuff. I got the Citro one. The Citro one is super cool. That, that's a nice one too. Uh, Bruce is also saying, I think this will help your loyal fans to support. I imagine because this is a delay. I don't know what he was referring to. Maybe it's the website or something. But the engagement via social media is going to be a critical piece of your marketing spend moving forward. Which is which is very very true. Um, Jesse is saying big shout out to Half Hours on Earth for selling beer via mail inspiration. Yes, they were the triple OGs of that actually. Yeah, they they, they were the first. They were the first. They 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 really put things in motion and um, it, like like they changed the provincial beer game in uh, like in getting that going. And God damn it, if they if they still don't make some of the best beers in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, they don't fuck around, man. And you know what's devastating? They told me in no uncertain terms they would never come on the podcast because they don't want to ever hear their voice or see themselves on camera. <laughs> so, you know what? I respect the uh, That's the too bad. I respect the honesty as devastated as I am. Um, Andrew, that fucking sex beast, says we've got four Rouge River Hazes dropping two left field Seltzer's anniversary multi quarter. Look at you. Selling oh, my shit. God. You, 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 you guys, you guys are gonna like, like are gonna run me broke with <laughs> with all of this. There's too much good shit. Worth it. Uh, pineapple diesel is that? That sounds like a nice strain of uh, bud. I feel like he was talking about Land of Hope, but I don't know. Oh, pineapple diesel. Okay. Do you know what? I think he's right. I okay. Like it pineapple diesel. That's the best name ever. You should totally do a pineapple diesel beer, Andrew. You're a genius. Uh, he says, uh, "Sorry, Jesse, you're a genius." Andrew says, "Does Scott's glass ever get empty?" <laughs> Very br- is that your last one, Scott? No, I have one more, but it's in the freezer, just trying to get it icy. Okay, and uh, then, there you go. And then yeah, I'll be right back. Done. I'm gonna get one of those. Yeah. Okay, and then Scott's over. He's like, "Fuck that! I'm done." <laughs> uh, uh, Jesse's yeah. saying, if, yeah, they t- <laughs> "If they taste society and solitude number two or James Black IPA are pretty great." Fair, fair. Uh, Daniel shouts to Dan Cascadian Dark Ale. Is that basically the same thing? Yeah, I, I believe so. it is. Uh, I guess because I've really been mi- trying to catch up on these comments, they're probably so situational. Are uh, you saying meat glue? I don't meat know what glue? We I don't even know what that is. Uh, but that was referring to our, our alternative to dextrose. Oh, meat glue. Okay. But <laughs> disregard that. Yeah. That's what we call it in-house. you got to put the meat glue in. Okay, chapter the meat glue. I like it. Uh, Jesse's also, we can't talk about the Pop-Tarts beer legally, which is fair. Um, (laughs) Every visiting brewery had a story about their harrowing, how harrowing their trip to the festival was. Great times. 
Not a word of a lie. Yeah, it took actually, guys um, from, uh, from Pendruid like two days to get to the festival. <laughs> they drove through the worst weather on like back roads with no snow tires. Yeah, they they ditched their old sedan in a dip in the snow. Um, and left it? Yeah. Lots Fuck. of people had a hard time getting there. Bro, there's been – I got a few stories just driving to Vermont in uh, in this time of year, in this nonsense. It's uh, – I'm sort of glad to avoid those uh, those drives. They were never fun. But half the time, you always end up sideways on the on the highway. Just even going 40 k's an hour, you're still gonna. Fall. It's just a nightmare. God damn, that can get man. real treacherous. Yeah, man. Really I, see, I, I see. Uh, I, I see. Josh just cracked open. Um, trouble in the fields. That was a the, the, that was another uh, uh, rooted in place uh, like or, origin one. That's a damn good logger right there. What's the deal with that one, Uncle Josh? Tell us. Uh, well, Scott should talk about it. We were actually just talking about this the other day, and uh, this feels like it kind of highlights a bunch. It ticks a bunch of boxes for us. So, uh, yeah. So it, it's um, in our lineup of loggers. This one's probably like if I had to pick one that I would, you know, put a gun to my head and say, pick a logger, make it, and 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 love it, and and, and make it really good. This is the one. Uh, I, I want to make this beer really good. I want to make it consistently. Uh, it's brewed with um, uh, floor malted on um, uh, locally grown Cascade. That's it. Very simple. Uh, and, and with uh, corn from just like purple corn. Uh, I think we used purple corn last time, but uh, like, a, like a heritage corn, about 20% of the grain bill. Uh, so it's, it's our take on a corn lager. Like they don't have to be, uh, cheap and flavor flavorless. They can be flavorful, uh, bitter, hoppy, aromatic. Um, and, and that's sort of what I want this beer to be, uh, like firm bitterness, dry with a good malt body, um, brewed with like entirely locally sourced ingredients. Love it, man. Is that a, beautiful. Um, is it like a, I imagine it's not, not a year round thing. It's like a few times a year. What's the deal with that one? It comes and goes. Um, we're sort of rotating back and forth between that and Civic Pilsner, back and forth. Gotcha. Uh, it was white corn last time. <laughs> yes. Look at that. Jesse, um, Jesse knowing both the Scott right uh, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It comes and goes. Uh, I, I'd like to see it around a lot. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be in heavy rotation. That's great, man. It's cool. I really like the – there's really something to be said about the beers that um, come back regularly, sort of like every X, you know, two, three months, whatever it is. I feel like there's something cool about that because like it keeps a beer, like instead of being year round where people may take it for granted, something even like paper salesman as well, that comes back four times a year when it does come back, it's an iteration on it, whether it's the same thing or your processes are a little tighter. So it's tasting better. Like we were saying, this batch was amazing. Um, I think that's just a really cool way to release beer. I mean, it's cool to have the flagships too, but I, I like that because it keeps the excitement for a beer that maybe, you know, I have had this beer for the first time four years ago, but every time I have, I feel like every time I see Andrew, he always made sure to give me a can of paper salesman every single time because he knew that like, it's my shit. And it's, I very much associated with that first time of coming into the brewery and meeting you guys and being 
in a terrible state and then that beer pepped me up and I was sick as well. So it was just, I felt good afterwards. And then, you know, I had to still go and I did another video with Hops and Bros after that. And then I still had to drive home. So it was, it was like, and just not nostalgic as far as craft beer can be for me, but because it's around every time it does come up, I'm like, oh, I need paper sales, as opposed to like, oh, what's, what's new? What's the new thing they're doing? You know? Um, I think that's really cool. And because you guys seem to, if you're swapping Civic and then this one out, that's even cooler because it's sort of like, there'll always be something different and you might not be able to get that every time. So it, it retains that interest and that desire for, um, it, it, it ticks the box for something new and fresh, you know, even if they may have had it before, they might not have had it for a while. So it's still, I think, I think yeah, it's fair to sure. say that Scott has, has really been like the driving force of that kind of practice at our brewery. Mm -hmm. And like, as yeah, I, I think there comes like a time in the life of any, maybe any small business, but definitely a small brewery where like, uh, it seems like the most obvious thing to do is the sort of the, the, the obvious next thing to do is the thing you should do. And it's like, we have just like been very fortunate that sometimes there's like voices around the table who are like, eh, we probably shouldn't do that. And one of those things would be like making a beer that worked once, making it all the time and making it too, too you know, too structured, too rigid, um, not flexible enough. And like, it definitely was not where my head was at early on. And like, it took a bit of like, well, <laughs> Scott probably remembers the days of having to explain things to us <laughs> multiple times, but uh, you know, we, I think we've really benefited from, from that kind of a philosophy and like, mm. uh, anyway, it's, it's, it definitely seems to work. I'm with you. Where did you get that idea from Scott? Rotate, like rotating beers around. Yeah. Um, I'd only seen it one particular brewery in Vermont and I always thought it was super cool. And whenever I see it, I'm always mad impressed because I don't think it's super common. So. Uh, I mean, like a, a quick trip to Hill Farmstead and realizing that they only have like one uh, one mainstay beer um, kind of made me realize like, oh, wait, we can change this up all the time. Um, we don't have to be pigeonholed to a certain thing. You, you can, if something's working really well, yeah, for sure. You can keep making more of it, uh, but you can also slow down when you want. You can you can change it up, throw in something new. Um, we, we have beers that we make year round. We have them. Uh, they're there all the time. And uh, they are our biggest sellers. They sell far more than anything else. But we make tons of new beers just to like, you know, I'll look at the brew schedule and be like, what do I want to be drinking next month? What, what do I, we need something more interesting in there. We need something like this. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, part, in, it's engaging. You know, it's the type of brewery that I want myself and the other breweries to work, brewers to work in uh something new always talking about something new uh but when you go to other other you know breweries that focus on that sort of thing um where they're constantly rotating stuff it's a really cool environment to to like go to try what's going on in that month for them and then leave think about it then you go back a couple years later and they're doing some of the same stuff but some totally new stuff um and that's sort of where that came from was like just keep you know, have mainstay beers, have things that you do all the time. But like, if you're not experimenting or trying, then you're, you're, you're stuck in your time. You're, you're, you're sort of stuck where you are. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah great point. Funny. You mentioned Hill Farmstead. I actually saw it in uh, Burlington Beer Co. So they would have like the, oh. you know, 
which which is hilarious because they would do like the wizard, but the wizard's like four times a year, kind of like paper salesman. And like, it's like every time you go there, there'd be the new one. I'm like, oh, you need to try the new batch of wizard. It's killing it right now. I'm like, all right, sick. And you know, all of that, I, I just, I really appreciated that because then there was like iterations of a series that had, uh, you know, whatever, say it was a fruited goes and every time you went there, there was a, just a different fruit available and maybe a different version of their stout series but then one of the four rotating IPAs and then there was this and that. And I just thought that was a kind of cool way. And I hadn't seen it prior to, to seeing there. Then you guys hearing that this is how you do it. I think that's fantastic. Cause I feel like I'm seeing it more and more, but it's just like, it seems like a smart way to run a business, but as far as keeping your, um, keeping both the brewers entertained because it'd be boring as shit. If you're doing, like you were saying the same six beers all the time, all the time. And it becomes like you're in a production facility. Um, but also it keeps your consumers entertained because they know that they can expect these X number of beers every single time. I imagine that's the the town and country, the two flags IPA and, and stuff like that. That's always there. And, and then every time they come, they know, ah, oh, is it going to be paper salesman time? Is it going to be sun split time? Is it going to be civic? Is it going to be that, you know, all these different things. And there's like, they're always going to leave with a different bag of stuff plus some random new stuff that you're testing out. It's just like it always keeps it fresh for the consumer, but an element of familiarity with improvements. So I just think that's a cool way to, to operate. For sure. We've uh, uh, through a lot of um, experimentation with all of our one off beers or um, just how we've been able to stay very adaptive. Uh, we've been able to take a lot of what we try, like new things that we try in new beers. We've learned a ton of stuff that we work back into the beers that we make all the time, mm. um, which makes them more, you know, taste better, more financially viable. It makes them just like a stronger asset in general um, through like, you know, learning experimentation. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a ton of fun, but they, they also make, they make a lot of sense for us on our size. Like we're not a giant production facility, just pounding out, uh some some macro lager you know so um yeah we have a fun we, we get to have a lot of fun with that i love that are you guys in the lcbo at all for any of the brands or did you intentionally stay away from that yeah we uh we don't sell any beer directly to the lcbo we have uh I, we have two two beers that are available in like a handful of grocery and and beer store locations so town and country and two flags you can find pretty much just in ottawa at a, at a handful of those locations but um, the vast majority of what we make, both in terms of volume and in terms of like you know product, you know, is just not uh, not really available anywhere other than the brewery or or a bar that buys it by the gotcha. king. Any uh, particular reason that you guys haven't moved into that at this point? This is one of those things that I, I that I'm kind of talking about when I say that like having a voice at the table to make you second guess what you think is the next obvious step. I think. Frankly, if it weren't for Scott, I think we would probably be a brewery at the LCBO. And the truth is that, you know, maybe until now at the current scale that we're at, like it's a losing hand for, for a brewery our size really to kind of double down on moving product through a channel where like it's going to be lower margin. It's going to be more out of your control. It's going to be more terms that someone's going to enjoy it at when they get it because God knows how old it is or how many, you know, warm warehouses it sat in before it got to a shelf. And, mm. um, it's very tempting to find one big buyer to take a bunch of product. Um, makes a lot of, it seems like it makes a lot of business sense on the surface. Um, 
But the truth is the harder thing is to forge a direct connection with real humans who come back. They drive to the back of an industrial park to buy our beer and uh, they do it because we don't let them down too often, hopefully. And, um, and then, you know, we try to find a little reason why it's an extra enjoyable experience when you do come. So we've invested in those things. And I think it served us well in the long run. But um, there was, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't an instinct along the way where like we could have done, we might have taken the road more traveled. I don't know. Yeah. One of the, go ahead. There's, um, there, there's an element to your approach to that with which speaks to your commitment to the community. And what I'm thinking, like what I'm thinking of is that is uh, like a couple of the restaurants where I know I can always find your beer. It's one that you've uh, like that you've collabed with before is uh, Citizen, um, which is one of my uh, like which is one of my favorite restaurants in town. Um, like one that always has a great beer selection. Um, and, and I'm thinking back to uh, uh, like to the Hoppy Kolsch that you did with the uh, uh, like uh, like as the collab with them. Um, and it's like it's one that like that almost always has like that almost always has your beers there. Like if if a restaurant in town ha like has your beers there, it's one of like it's one of those things that like it feels like it's got your stamp of approval. And uh, like you know, it's one of those it's one of those places that, as you were saying before, you know, it's a, like you can get your product within like a certain radius, like of the brewery. Like, I, like, and I know that there's someone from that restaurant who's driven up to your warehouse, loaded it up into their truck and driven it back to their restaurant. And it's like, and it was probably brewed in the last two weeks. So it's like, it's one of those things that's a really good thing to see in the city. And it speaks to your connection to the city and the community. Yeah, that's cool that you say that. I, I think having like a direct relationship, like the truth is, and in a year like this, it actually is very hard because we actually know a lot of these people. Like they're, they're, in many cases, the people who own these restaurants are friends. And uh, man, is it ever a shit time, you know, for a lot of them right now. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's not a lot of fun really for them. But, it, you know, the, the, the bright side is you have these relationships and you really do take pride in like, you know, also are people who love eating at good restaurants. And so like, you know, to, to know the folks at, you know, Heartbreakers Pizza or Farinella or Citizen or, you know, um, Bar Lupulus or a handful of other places and really know something about their business and, and, and to be customers as well as suppliers is like very cool. And I think you just don't get that if, if our model were different, right? If we were relying on the beer store in Windsor to sell our product, well, like it's very difficult to have a relationship relationship with the end customer at a lot of the places that buy our beer. So um, that's, that's very cool. I love that. I think that's super important. I guess that sort of speaks to really who you guys are. I like the dedication to that, that you guys are really like, that's who we are. That's what we do. That's what we kind of stick to. I think that's, that's super cool. Cause it's something that like, I guess that you guys have like the pop-ups for people to get it outside there's a few i remember back when we did our we did a collab with sawdust city a few years ago and both randy and jesse turned up that night which was super cool in <laughs> toronto to the night they partied with us they were fucking champions and um they, they were there because they were working and you know getting all the bars out there the beers and stuff and i it was it was super cool to see that and i imagine you know that was back when we were in toronto right you know um and we were able to uh you know, I feel like it's cool that people can get a taste of it. Like you were saying with the fair weather um, thing, 
where um you know they were able to do the pop-up in toronto and sell you stuff but you guys weren't completely um it's not like it's like a treat to get your stuff i guess outside of ottawa is kind of what i'm saying like you know and it's like they have to people have to come to the city or at least if you're elsewhere in ontario you can order it and get it shipped um you know it's yeah it's 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 it's, it's not i mean it isn't everywhere and and certainly everything we make in some cases, some of it never leaves the city. So, you know, right. that is, and that's, it's a bit of a luxury of being the size and scale we are. And frankly, for the fans we have who make the model we want work. Um, and in a weird way, I'd be lying if I weren't saying in a weird way, this whole last year that we've been on has sort of accelerated the model that we always wanted, which was like make, you know, sell everything we can pretty much here in Ottawa. That's the dream. And it's, it's, basically where we're at at the moment i mean bars and restaurants are a fraction of their former selves um and uh you know we do ship beer out of the city but uh in most cases this is just being consumed by people near to it enjoyed in the state that scott and the team hope you know which is fresh you know well loved and uh and fast um so that's a good thing um in that sense i hope some of these things that you know people have gotten used to over a year ordering online and having it delivered to your door, picking it up in a hurry. Those would be good habits. If we could, if yeah. we could keep that going. I think it's cool. There's something so cool about that. And I I'm, I'm quite jealous being here in Quebec that there's, I mean, being that I do beer media, I have access to stuff, but if, you know, I can't get stuff unless I already know the brewery or something to ship it to me in Quebec as a PR package. But if I wanted to order and purchase from somebody, I can't do that. And I find that. Yeah frustrating because there's some stuff that i was talking to nate you know sometimes nate and i just trade i just send him stuff we send each other stuff or whatever he's like yo can you get this this or this i'm like oh, i don't have a car and they don't distribute and i don't have any way to get there type of thing like you know and some of them are too far to even uber to and it's um it's super frustrating so i think it's super cool at least that ontario does have that sort of shipping thing so that you know people in windsor can order from dominion city or anywhere in the province can order from half hours on earth and get their stuff, you know, like it's, I think that's so well, suffice to say, Craig, I'm not on the premier's Christmas card list, but uh, <laughs> I do have to give him his due. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, when it comes to the very narrow band of alcohol Positive. sales, liber- liberalization, yeah. I do feel like, uh, you know, he has an agenda that, 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 that does sort of serve small businesses in Ontario. So I'll, I'll give him that much. Anyway. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> That actually reminded me, I, we don't have to go into it, but the bucket beer thing that you guys did was the coolest shit, the coolest response to... Oh, that um, was the best. Yeah, man. You guys are such fucking gangsters. You don't give a shit. It's so dope. Like, you just don't give a fuck about any of that. You're just like, we are doing what is right at all times, at any cost. Yeah, man. Josh was gives no fucks. <laughs> Zero <laughs> fucks. <laughs> Josh is just the biggest, biggest G in Ontario beer. He's like, fuck that. Mafia, watch me. This is what's going to happen. That was yeah. one of those. I said no. One that was it. one of those things when that beer, when, when that beer dropped, so cool, it sold out before, uh, like before I could get there at the end of my workday. And it was one of those things of I like I've never been so happy to see a beer sell out before, <laughs> like before I could get to it. It was like like I was just so happy that everyone rallied behind that one so hard. Yeah, man. 
that was a cool day. That was a really good day. You know, we, um, yeah, I, I, that was a very satisfying feeling for sure. It was great to have. And one of those days where you're like, you put something out in the world and it's just like, you know, the people you hope will pick it up, pick it up and run with it. And it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Again, back to the community, right? People get it. Nate, continue. Uh, well, I was just going to say this is probably a good opportunity for us to fill back up because I think because uh, I think we're done uh, like we're done with Land of Hope. It's probably stout time, don't you think? I am open to a stout. <laughs> what would uh, what should we do? Well, um, I, I think maybe we should. I, I think maybe we let the boys decide. So because we've got Dark Knight of the Soul and we've got uh, Between Two Evils, which one do you think we should go for, guys? Uh, Dark Knight of the Soul, probably. No. Let's do it. I'm yeah, down. Yeah. That's as so you grab yours first because I have to take a piss very shortly. But I do want to move all into right. um after we talk about that, I want to move into all the stuff that you guys have been doing with Ren with uh Beer Diversity, which is super cool based I just coming off the bucket beer thing. Um should we tell people what we're talking about in case people don't know what the hell the bucket beer thing is? Yeah, we can do that. Sure. So just, just briefly, just so people knew. I'm just thinking for context. I was like, just thinking now. I was like, oh, many people don't really remember what that was. Right. Just tell them what that was. So the brother of the worst mayor of Toronto in history <laughs> becomes the premier. The funniest mayor and, in Toronto. We have to give him that. He was very funny. And and one of his key, one of his key promises for the province was to make beer cheap again. So yes. uh, obviously, as people who make very not cheap beer. And don't believe beer really ought to be cheap as a first standpoint. No. Uh, uh, took some umbrage with this idea. And moreover, I just remember like losing a lot of sleep about the state of the world at that time. This was kind of a year or something after Donald Trump became president. And mm. we had a premier who all of a sudden was making very weird noises about immigrants and refugees. And it all just sounded very foreign for my home province. And uh, we didn't like the sound of it. So what we did was we made a beer called Buckle Beer that uh, cost over $3 for a short can, but we donated a dollar to support refugee settlement in Ottawa. And uh, I think to this day, it's the fastest selling beer we've ever made. And um, certainly the one that generated the most interest anyway. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a good day. It's a brilliant thing. Would you ever do that one again? And that's why the premier doesn't send me a Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. You don't need him anyway. Um, I'm just going to grab that beer. You guys continue just chit-chatting. Do whatever you want to do. It's your platform now. <laughs> uh, it's a, it, it really is a... Um, I, I'm, uh, uh, Scott, I'm glad you said Dark, uh, Dark Night of the Soul because uh, like, I, I really do enjoy this beer a lot. It's uh, it, like it, it's a special one for me because this is one that I uh, like when I had it for the first time. I think you guys released it um, just before Christmas 2019, and uh, like and uh, like and I brought it. I had, and, like and I had it Christmas Eve with, like with my family, and it like I had it for uh, like I had it for dessert, and uh, like it uh, like I was just drinking it and thinking of like a liquefied uh, Ferrero Rocher kind of thing, it, like and it just hit me just at the, like just in that perfect way um, when I had that. So. Uh, that's that's my little emotional connection to like to this beer. So, um, so do you want to uh, so do you want to tell me why uh, like why you said we should have we should go with Dark Knight? Um, well, while I'm certainly like I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm definitely 
more attached to the bourbon barrel aged beers because they sit in wood for so long. Um, oh yeah. Uh, so between two evils is a beer that, you know, we try it right before we brew it. We try it when it's about a year old in barrels and then, and then we, we make a decision on how we want to brew it for the next year. It, it, so like it's cycle is you don't, you make a decision once it, you don't see the result for another year. Um, it's cool, but lots of people do those. So, uh, dark night of the soul is a little bit more, um, like I'm pretty proud of it. We, we've been working towards trying to make these like really big and rich, um, big and rich Imperial stouts, uh, like what you'll see a lot of the time in like, you know, pastry style beers or the big, rich lactose filled full of flavor. Um, that's what we're going for here. There is no lactose, but, uh, it is like extremely, very thick and, and and full of flavor. Um, so we used uh, uh, a ton of vanilla beans, um, hazelnuts, and cocoa nibs uh, for this beer, and, and just wanted like a big, rich, decadent experience from it. Um, so it's it's big, vanilla, nutty. Uh, the cocoa nibs are from uh, Hummingbird Chocolate, uh, not too far from the brewery. So that's a sort of like local approach to it. Um, yeah, outside of that, it's just supposed to be like a really rich, decadent experience. Total, like very different from Between Two Evils. Um, this has a lot more sugar and richness to it. Would you consider yeah, it a for pastry sure. or not quite? I mean, yes. Yes and no. Like, yeah, you know, like. I'd say it's in that vein. It's it's kind of. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I I would say it's not not a pastry stout. It's, it's uh, like it, 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 it's one of those things of like I I think it maybe it wasn't ahead. Like Buck Canada was probably like was probably making pastries before uh, like a little bit before this one came out. But yeah. maybe maybe this came out like a little bit before um like before it was the pastry stout was a little bit more widespread. But like mm. if this uh, like. This I, I think fits the bill for a pastry stout for me. Like it's definitely that like thick, rich, decadent stout that uh, like that definitely has that same kind of feel to a lot of the pastry stout. And and Farrell say, is saying beetus as uh, like as diabetes at like like yeah I <laughs> I feel that with this one <laughs> yeah, basically. Just yeah so yeah so. They, they got to be big beers. Uh, I mean, these yeah. are totally inspired by beers that like uh, breweries like Bach Canada do or look into the States. You're looking at, you know, um, Bach, like Tampa Stouts. Who, what's the name of the brewery in Tampa that's like uh, – oh. Angry Chair. Anyways, Angry Chair. We just call Cigar them like, City, like Florida City. Stouts um, where they're like all residual sugar and adjunct. Um, so we're, yep. we're working at it. We're working away at it. I, I, like with this one – I was very happy with like how rich it is. Mm. Uh, we, we could add more shit to it. We could put more vanilla, more nuts, more whatever, but the base beer is is thick. Listen, yeah. This is this is not a joke. Whoa, I haven't had this for a while. This is intense, man. I love it. I like it. See the thing, <laughs> I've been sort of thinking lately about pastries, like they're cool, but they're just so much. And I don't I'm sort of like thinking, rethinking how much I enjoyed them. And I feel like this is like a nice, uh, like it's not like cake batter, I guess. Yeah. You know, people always yeah. say like, I find that like, they're like, 
if a cake, I don't know, you need like that much of like a cake batter beer type of thing. Like you just, you can get like an eight ounce can and like that's plenty. Um, and, uh, and I, sorry, Craig, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Um, it, it, Scott was saying that like, like there's no lactose in it and it's one of those ones that I definitely don't think needs lactose. Like this has all of the, uh, it, like it this has all of the sweetness and, ri- and richness that it needs. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, you're going to kick me off Team Lactose. For I could next. never but, do but that. Well, what I'm one, like, like, yeah, yeah, that's right. You can't. So okay. Fuck you. No, but it's. Uh, <laughs> no, but what, no, but what I'm saying is this is like this is a delicious beer. It's like it is sweet and rich and uh, like and just goddamn tasty. And I like I don't think it needs anything more. No, it doesn't. And uh, and. and Farrell's uh, chirping me right now, saying, "Don't break this one." Yeah, because uh, I, I like, like, I, I was so sad because I broke my first rooted in uh, rooted in place glass, and uh, Andrew was nice enough to hook me up with uh, with a replacement, and I and I haven't broken this one yet, and I'm praying not to. <laughs> what a champion! Jesse's like, uh, what's the FG though, Scott? What's the final gravity? Oh, uh, <laughs> thick. Uh, for the nerds out there, it's 17, Plato, Plato, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's rich. Yeah, it's rich. Other, it's, others might call that attenuated. Attenuated? <laughs> Some might call it a bad ferment, but we're happy with the result. <laughs> How long this has been a, a style that Scott has had like a bone to pick with for like a while, right? And there've been a few a few runs at it, but is it fair to say that this is the one you've been the most satisfied with, Scott? The one I've been most happy with, yeah. Um, I think it's like and we're not done thing, yet. There's, like, there's there's more to come in a few weeks, but I feel like this is this is pretty good. Yeah, uh, it's like a, a style that like. I'll try. I like trying at festivals, like a couple ounces here and there, like really small pours or sharing a can with a few people. Um, And, but it's one of the most intriguing styles to me. Like it's technically very difficult to actually make a beer that big, that strong um, with all this stuff. And there's a ton of things at play. Um, So I find it like just a fascinating thing to even try and do uh, and try and do well. And do like there's some people that are exceptional at it, um, and so it's like each time we brew it and it comes out, it's like I'm I'm really happy about it. Uh, I think it tastes great, and then I'm like, wait, this is good, but we have a lot of work to do, and and that's how like I don't feel that way about a lot of different beer styles. This one, it's like very intriguing and is driving me to like keep pushing and keep trying to make it make it really good. So our vanilla our vanilla build just keeps getting higher actually. It keeps spending more and more on Yeah. We have the world's most passionate vanilla supplier, though. She's an absolute gem. Yo, like, if, if you ever want to get name? excited, you should talk to Scott. Uh, like, Scott talks uh, to her. Because Bar Canada, we had them on like two weeks ago. Yeah. And they Sorry, were like, God. we had Bar Canada on a couple weeks ago. And they were like, you need to talk to this vanilla chick. She just loves it. You should do a whole episode with the vanilla woman. She's so excited about vanilla. It's amazing. You should should do an episode with her and her customers. Let them 
go about Vanilla. And her and who? Sorry, because you broke up. <laughs> you should let Chantel and like her top three brewery customers just talk oh, yeah. about Vanilla. I'll just sit back. You know, just let them go. Yeah, just let them talk. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah, that's what Jesse yeah. saying. Shout out to Gab from Bar Canada. Yeah, Gab and both Mark yeah. and I were like, you need to talk to this woman. She would talk for four hours about vanilla. It's no, like, I was like, damn, okay. Like, I thought there was like two types, and I guess not Tahitian and Madagascar. And I guess now there's probably more than that. And... <laughs> yeah, it's much more complicated. Uh, that's where we got the connect. Uh, Gab yeah. hooked us up. Shouts to Gab. What kind of vanilla is in this one? We should do, do her justice and talk about which vanilla is in this uh, one. Fuck. I think that one's Madagascar. I think that's just straight Madagascar. I'm getting Madagascar vibes from the can here. <laughs> yeah, same. Me too. Me too. You're a fucking idiot. I love it. Um, no, this is dope, man. Like, um, I, I, Yeah, you really hit a bunch of the notes that the vanilla is super, super powerful in there. The hazelnut's a nice little backbone. It's just like a nice imperial stout that's like flavorful that does not feel too much like diabetes, as Andrew was saying. It's it's great. I feel like um you'd be pretty trash. And I, I really appreciate the small cans for uh, oh he said it is. Yes. Look at that, Scotty, we got it, bro. We are mad. we are vanilla fucking experts, mate. We got it. We would have picked if it was Tahitian. I mean, obviously. Come on now. Like come on, fuck out of it. Um, yeah, um, that's a that, that's a great point that Craig just brought up. Like the three fifty five mil cans for uh, like for an imperial stout is uh, like it's the way to go. Like, like it's, I gotta tell you guys, there's a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of hate about the short can. You got a few? Oh yeah, I get I get letters. Talk to me. Explain that, please. <laughs> Please don't change. Please don't, don't change. Uh, like I, I, no, I'm no, here no, no, for no. the small format for the, like for for these big beers, man. Mm-hmm. I can't like I can't handle like a fucking 750 mil bottle for an imperial so stout. <laughs> I mean, that's Andrew Farrell's whole basement is just 750 mil bottles of stout. He's never gonna drink. <laughs> he's never gonna um, drink. <laughs> First time for everything, my guys. Oh, just yeah, man. Like, uh, do you know what's funny? I was talking with uh, Noah Forrest from Beerism and uh, another. Uh, her name is Emily. She's La Petite Pierre on um, on Instagram, and we were just talking about like having pastry stouts or whatever, or large ABV stouts. And she said that she's like super um, lightweight with beer and would like like those like tiny cans. Like, I'm like, yo, I'm pretty sure these exist, and we found them. And I've seen cans. They're basically eight ounce cans. They're kind of like half of one of these almost. They're adorable, then, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes, like the 750s are cool, but during a pandemic, what's the point? Like, I mean, you can put the stopper in, you can have half now, half tomorrow or something cool, but there's that's the reason why, like you said, Farrell's basement is all 750s because who the fuck is drinking that shit? Like the 355 <laughs> is perfect. You can end your night on this after having a few other beers. Like I don't know if it's possible to have more after this, but that is – is all you really need. A 500 is cool, I guess, but I would much prefer this or smaller. You just don't yep. need it because it's just so rich and sweet. Like, you know, it's unnecessary. I really appreciate when we do that. Yeah, for sure. I think we need to get a good line on those eight ounce cans. Those are pretty sweet. So Yeah, I've never seen them in Canada. Tiff is enjoying the I Get Letters. <laughs> that could be almost like the episode name, I Get Letters. <laughs> uh jesse saying the collective arts did their origin origin of darkness series in shorties this year they did they did do that which was a really good idea that's right 
That's right. Uh, Farrell will say. Yeah, same of- with. Going Same with uh, Wellington and their uh, and, and their UV, uh, UVB seventy six. Like that was in shorties this year as well. It's it, like it, it's good. It's the way to do it. Yeah, it's it's definitely the move. Uh, and you're saying I can't drink any more of them. We're all out of sucks days. What's a sucks day? You know what? Well, we do pay for, for a lot of sick days, but oh, definitely six sucks days. days. So he's right about that. Okay, Dana wins <laughs> with them with him. Well, Dana's gonna have to step up, Andrew. I think you have to talk to her. Get her on the line and tell her that Josh said that you have to share him with <laughs> No him. more sucks days, Farrell. No more. I'm tired of you, Farrell. Just because you're pretty, you can't get away with it all the time, you fuck. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, it's definitely the move for the um, for these ones. So can we talk about the one that's coming soon or are we a little... Uh... Oh, I think Jesse's already put it in the coming soon, so I feel like we can talk about it. I feel like we can. Okay. Yeah, we can talk about them. We got uh, we, we got two two big liquor stouts coming. We got uh, one that we're doing with um, uh, cocoa nibs. Uh, sorry, we're we're doing with chocolate and like um, that's number one. Your peppermint patty is the inspiration, um, nice. and then the other one's a collaboration with um, my. Uh, like when I think of Imperial Stout, I look up to uh, Barn Cat. Like every year, Rat Queen just knocks my socks off. Great beer. Um, so we're brewing a beer with them. Uh, we, we basically just brewed an Imperial Stout and said, what do you want to do to it? What, what kind of shit do you want to put in it? And uh, they said blueberry and maple syrup and Tahitian vanilla bean. Um, so that's coming up. Very different. Come on. Stuff. Very different to Madagascar. Yeah. I just want to point that out. They continue. Very different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Now your your mind's gonna be blown when you realize that Tahitian vanilla is from Papua New Guinea because it blew my mind. But is it on. really? Yeah, it's very it's, confusing. Uh, of the Tahitensis okay. variety, of the what? Yeah. Listen, it's, I don't even know why we're talking about this without the vanilla lady. Let's just yeah, get we, her on right now. <laughs> get her on the line. Get her on the line. Yeah, we'll call her up, talk to her. She'll let you know. I'll okay. probably say it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't want to. We don't want to put you on the line anyway. So you got to do blueberry. Uh, you said maple and vanilla, Tahitian vanilla. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. So that's a, that's a barn cat collab. That that'll be out in like a couple weeks, few weeks maybe. Um, How's that taste? Yeah. So we're we're basically doing treatments. Is that t- tasting good? Tasting pretty good. Yeah, it's uh. Like we use a, we use a ton of maple syrup uh, and blueberries, so it's like a, a, it's it's strong, it's strong as fuck, and like like ton of blueberries, so it's a little tart. Um, but yeah, it's tasting really good so far. Uh, I think it's like that sounds um, exciting. Yeah, yeah, like fruit and imperial stouts taste pretty good. Uh, so we're probably gonna do more of it. We just we we fucked up one time and did bananas, and it like it totally did not work out well. But we're probably just not gonna do bananas anymore. <laughs> bananas is a strange one in an imperial style. Yeah, bananas are weird. They're so starchy, you know. I've totally it's way too starchy, you motherfuckers. Craig Gabacho is saying, "Am I crazy for having two cans of the imperial style with pistachio, but not yet having one of them?" Yeah. What was that one? Yeah, Are you allergic to pistachios? Maybe he needs to crack one open right now. Craig, you have a wonderful name, first of all. <laughs> I think on that note, you should crack one open in honor, honor of the gentleman. Uh, Jesse's like, oh, the yeah, what you're waiting on there, bud. Yeah, man. Crack that shit. Uh, 
Jesse's like the Bonkat one wasn't a secret. He said that's not entirely true. The mushroom <laughs> is that the secret not entirely true? If you'd like, I can go in on vanilla varieties thanks to Chantel. Oh, yeah. sorry. This is why I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's a vanilla is a whole thing, and Chantel is the one you got to talk to. It's just so funny. Yeah, this right. just keeps coming up. So I guess I don't really have a choice. But to yeah, uh, we're gonna have, yeah, no, yeah, you yeah, should bring around. We're gonna yeah. have to get Chantel on. Yeah, man, I'll have to get you and Noah to help me out, bro, because uh, we're gonna have to really like understand vanilla. But I wonder. So when, without taking over this podcast to talk about vanilla, if you're sampling <laughs> vanilla, like, how does that work? Does she? Because I was saying, like, you know how we all drink the same beers during the podcast or whatever. Could she send us some vanilla or something, and then we can all like smell the vanilla or sample the vanilla bean? Like you have one Tahitian and one. Yeah, that's what she does with us. So what? How does it work? Excuse my extreme ignorance. I I don't know. I don't know. Like when she sends me samples, I don't know what to do with them. You know? <laughs> I just like. <laughs> do, do you eat them or you can't really eat them, man? I've tr I've tried eating them, but like it doesn't taste great. You know, it tastes like it tastes really harsh. Um, like it's so strong. Vanilla tastes drink. weird. Mm. It's really strong. Yeah. So like I smell them, I'm like whoa this blows my mind it's something totally new but i think that's because chantal's a very good salesperson because um, so, <laughs> she's passionate. You know, she's also in my head yeah but uh <laughs> you know a, a lot of it's like you just break it open you smell it and, and it smells oh man it, it just smells great it smells amazing um uh yeah i'm sold on whatever whatever she's selling so okay that's well, great I'm definitely here for it. Oh, um, Craig. So I, th so I, I think we um, we diverted from the point that um, that you wanted to bring up before we uh, before we got our beers because I think we wanted to uh, pivot to uh, pivot to like the diversity initiatives and the, uh, like, and the things that they've been working on, right? See, or this is why this is why you're you uh, you're running the show here, Nate. Thank you. Yes. So when we when we came in in May. Uh, our good old, you know, mutual friend, all of us here, Ren Navarro of Beer Diversity and now Do Better, Be Better. She did a talk. It was the first time I'd seen her do a talk at the brewery. It was phenomenal. We specifically came up just to see that, and it was a wonderful excuse to be like, well, we're going to go to Ottawa for a couple of nights, so let's go to Dominion City and hang out with the boys. And we had a fantastic night afterwards. We all went to Flora Hall and, and hung out. It was just a really good time. Um, you guys showed us a great time. I imagine it was the same type of hospitality you did at Rooted in Place because we all got that big-ass taxi. Like, go, uh, just, I had a really fantastic night with you all. And, um, I was so hungover the next day. My God. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were fucked up, bro. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Ottawa. It's a good time. But, yeah, so Ren and you guys announced on that uh at that event and that evening that you guys were doing a partnership where you guys were co-sponsoring a um and funding us um a uh i guess a scholarship for a person of color to attend the niagara brewing college to be you know to enter the program to become a brewer and since then you guys have worked with ren and probably on your own initiatives doing similar things i just wanted to see if we could just touch on some of that work because you guys have once again um been thinking of the community before, you know, it's really important to you guys. And that's why we love you so much. The dedication and the genuine passion that you have towards like making sure the craft beer is for everybody and putting your money up to 
make sure that that happens, supporting someone like Ren whose mission is that, all right, let's work together, let's do this. It was just such a beautiful thing, and, and you guys were certainly pioneers of that type of thing. I hadn't seen any breweries, at least in Canada, do anything like that before. Um, do you want to maybe talk a bit about that from, from that time a couple of years ago and how that sort of changed coming into now? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to say is that it's not entirely selfless. Um, I think we realize that if the next 10 years of beer look like the last 10 years of beer, there won't be 10 years after that. Um, the truth is there's just not enough white bearded dudes to keep this going <laughs> forever. Like this, podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this podcast notwithstanding, uh, <laughs> the truth is that we, I think it's incumbent on us um, just as a matter of practicality, let alone the right thing is to bring more people in um, to what yep. we do. And I, th I think there's a lot about beer that's wonderful. Like I, I, I think, you know, most of the people I've met it through beer genuinely are open-minded, kind-hearted, uh, inclusive people who just want good things for each other. And that's really nice. Um, but I, all of us, my, ourselves included, frankly, you know, we've, we've fallen a bit short. It's easy to talk to the converted. It's to talk to the people who uh, look like you. It's easy to hire the people who look like you. Um, and it's, it's, it's sometimes, frankly, it's hard to, when, you, when, when you're under the gun and you need good help and you need someone with experience who knows what's up on day one, it's, it's, it's the easiest thing to do is to, is to find the person who looks a lot like you because they've got similar experience to you. And I'll, I'll credit Tiff, actually, conversation that we had with the two of you guys that night after Ren's speech. I just remember Tiffany saying to me, like, Love what you guys do. Love where your hearts are at. But like, you know, your Instagram feed is so white. Like you guys just, you know, you need to show people that like, it's not just for you. Like it's for other people too. And honestly, we, we're working on it now. Like we still haven't figured it out. We still haven't cracked it. Because we don't want to do it in a way that's like, uh, feels, you know, too surface or not, not significant or not meaningful enough. But um but it is a problem. Like we need beer to reflect back to more people than you and me. And, uh, and it's an ongoing project. So the, 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 the diversity scholarship was a step in that direction. It was a realization that if you want to change the makeup of the industry and to, and to actually bring in fresh ideas and fresh perspectives, you got to make a point of it. It's not just going to happen automatically because the lane of least resistance is to keep doing what we've been doing. Yeah. And we benefited already. Like, our first year, um, you know, we kind of had um, we had an indigenous man who who, who joined our team. Uh, last year, we had an amazing brewer named uh, Natalie who who came to us from Niagara College and spent a couple months working with us. And um, she's gone on; she's working with Fairweather and doing other things. But she's a tremendously talented person and was awesome to have on the team. And and frankly, awesome to have in our orbit of people who've come through Dominion City. And we actually just found out that we've got a, a this year's recipient has just been awarded, and we're looking forward next week to chatting and setting up the details of having another young woman come through and work with our team. So um, the way it works is you win thousand dollars towards your tuition, and you get a paid gig with us for a couple months. Um, so uh, so we benefit from that in a huge way too. So it isn't selfless. It isn't just uh, for everybody else; it's for us too. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. But uh, I've been really pleased too that like we are so far from alone now. Um, the number of other breweries who've announced similar initiatives—it's 
awesome to be copied on this one. Like it's it's great. So I think I think that can only be good because we have a lot of work to do. I love it, man. It's so cool, and like I hadn't seen anybody else do it before. You guys, it's funny enough. We're a part of now two other nonprofit initiatives similar to that, and to be honest, you guys were a huge inspiration on this for us. We're working with something with Sankey and Baron, where we're trying to basically do the same thing for people of color, particularly starting with Black people the black community are moving on through indigenous and, and people of color over time to, to basically do it either a path through um, uh, uh, the the brewer side, the Cicerone side, and, and, and the end goal guiding people to ownership, because that's really what the communities are lacking is ownership. Um, and you guys were, were the ones that we saw do it first. And I remember we were saying to Jake, you guys know Jacob at Sankiam? absolutely yep yeah yeah so like i was yeah I, i'm sure he was already aware of that but that was like you guys really led the way with that and, and took the reins at a time and even two years ago it almost seems kind of crazy like two years ago was a different time when no one else was really doing it so i really feel like you guys were um ahead of the the cycle ahead of the game to do these type of things and to sort of really recognize that like this is the change that's needed ren was doing it and you were like no not only will we make sure we host your, um, you know, the event here and bring it. And it was one of the coolest times, to be honest, man. I feel like I saw every, one of the few times in Canada, almost everybody from, from differently abled, different um, LGBT, uh, every sort of race in the, in the brewery and people asking random questions and talking about it. It was just such a fantastic evening. And it was sometime, you know, in a cold evening. It really April, was. It was like a cold April evening. It wasn't nice weather, but people came out to hear, a, you know, someone talk, you know, someone like Ren who has such a wonderful reputation and, and passion for all of this stuff. And to see you guys sort of, that was the evening that was all like, oh, we didn't know that was happening. You guys announced the, um, the, the scholarships and it was like, wow, this is some like, once again, Dominion City leading the fucking charge with everything. And, that, and that's once, you know, why we, we love you guys so much. It's just so cool that, that you guys did that and like, yeah. I get that it totally isn't selfless and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's really, yeah, it's, it's really about the survival of the industry because we can't have five, not only with five beta guys, but five beta guys, four beta guys with glasses as well. Right here. Very important to know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very homogenous podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and this is something that like, trust me, the irony is not lost. You know, being that our producer and co-founder of this entire podcast is a black female, um, you know, I don't choose who is on here based on who they are. It's like, hey, did you? I like we typically talk to owners and head brewers, and for you know, the problem there is that those individuals don't tend to be people outside of people who look like the four of us, and but then that's what you guys are advocating for we're trying to do our part as well and, and contribute towards that genuinely thanks to your inspiration i think it's, it's it's just really cool that um you find the time it's always like i feel like you guys always find the time to do something valuable for the community constantly um on top of just making fire ass beer which you really don't have to do anything more than that but you, you continue to choose to do so. And I think that's always going to speak to your legacy and what you guys have left, you know, in, in Ottawa and in, in Canada and Ontario. It's a beautiful thing, man. I'm not trying to like kiss your ass completely on this all the time. It's just so cool because I just, I just fuck with you guys so hard. We, we always talk about what you guys do um, often more, more than you guys know. I think you have more of an impact than even you realize 
and that type of stuff, which is the wonderful thing about legacy, I guess, and you know, what you guys are sort of contributing to a, a beer scene that is relatively small. You know, granted, we're only like what? Five. But you know, you're you're touching on something, Craig, that I think is like very relevant, which is like people who are choosing to buy this kind of beer from companies like ours are not just interested in just buying a product. That that's an easy enough thing to do. Um, and there's so many other products that I think are just are just very transactional like that. The fact that people bring that amount of passion where they're like, I want to buy a product where I see my values reflected in the choices I'm making and where I see, you know, the things I care about in the world I want to make, I'm looking for that in in the people who I'm buying from. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pressure, frankly, that goes with that sometimes. But I think it's great. And I, I really think that like the consumers of the, the stuff that we make deserve some credit for that because I think I think we feel the expectation. It's like, all right, well, like, what have you done for me lately? You know, like, what have you done for others lately? It's not enough that you guys are just making cool beer. That's essential. I'm not interested in, in, in spending money with you unless you're doing that. Okay, let's keep working on that. But in addition to that, like, what are you doing to try harder to make things a little better than you found it? And, like, I think we do feel... Like that's part of our job too. So um, I, I I really credit our, our customers and our fans with that. I like that. That's super dope. Do you guys think about that? Do you guys think about the legacy that I mean, obviously legacy not meaning an end to anything, but just sort of like you know the the way people think about Dominion City, both for the products and for sort of what you actually contribute to society. Do you guys is that like a? I imagine that's something that's important to you. Oh, I don't know, man. You know, like we're not encouraged to think about legacy. It's uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that's frowned upon. But right. I do think it's helpful sometimes. Like I do think, I don't know. Um, I don't even smoke, but I, I've been thinking about time a lot lately. You see it in the, the names of our beers it keeps coming up. But um, I, I do think that it's almost helpful to just realize that it's all going to end someday. Mm -hmm. um, it, it sort of has a way of focusing you on what you're doing with the time. I don't know. Um, I, whether it's legacy or it's just it's just my dad had a way of saying that you should leave the campground a little tidier than you found it and uh i've always found that very simple and kind of inspiring so um i think that's part of what drives us on this front but um yeah there's there's lots to be inspired by and, and ren's a great example like this summer we worked with her uh she's taken the lead on creating an app that's almost ready it's going to be called the canadian um Incl brewery inclusion toolkit and they'll be sort of like a practical how-to, going one step beyond her talk, which was about like why it matters that we should make people feel included in beer, to like, what do you do about it? Okay, so you're probably you're a guy who owns a brewery, you're probably a guy, you're probably white. What are you gonna do to like probably you know make sure that the door feels open? And you probably have a beard and you probably have glasses. <laughs> But, um, you know, like what, what are practical things that you can actually do to uh, make your business more welcoming and more inclusive and in ways that maybe you didn't think about before, which I think are fun and exciting and helpful. So I love that. <laughs> Jesse's missing smoking darts. I, I don't know. Is darts ciggies or is darts a spliff? I don't know. Uh, it's it's a uh, and, uh, I do too, but I'm good now. You're good now? I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, you don't need them. You're above it, Scott. You're above it. Yeah, I I'm think not, that. Um, 
<laughs> I, like I, I think that, uh, that like particularly with all of the, the like with all of the things that you guys have sponsored like the, uh, the, the, the like you know like like the scholarship and like seed funding the, uh, the, the like the inclusion like the inclusion toolkit which is uh, the, 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 like which is just fantastic it's you guys uh, the, the, like at, at least from like at least from an outward perspective for, like at least from from what i see as an like as another white guy um <laughs> like in the industry what it like what it looks like to me is that you try like you guys are trying your best to to take like the lessons that Ren talks about and i'm thinking back to the talk that she gave um, that correct, and um, like, like one one of these lessons that I the, 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 like the, that always uh, of friends that always sticks with me is craft beer lo- 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 like loves to talk about being for the community, and if we are going to be for the community, we really need to the, the, like that doesn't just happen on its own, and it really needs to actually require some effort to ensure that everyone in that community. Has, like has a seat at that table and um it, like it, it's like everyone in this industry whether it's from like whether it's from owners brewers people in beer people in beer media we've all got a part to play in that and i think you guys do a really a, a really good job of kind of not just like not just talking about it but really like but really doing the work to uh, doing the work to make it happen and you're a good example for the industry that's at least how it looks to me well, i appreciate the kudos um for what it's worth you know we have a um uh, stefan is our cfo He's, he happens to be black but you know i was talking to him we have a lot of work to do still and i, I realized that when i speak to him you know he tells me he's like you know, my family, my, my friends, people in my community, they, they love drinking beer and they don't know anything about your beer, about our beer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not showing up. We're not registering for them. And uh, there's no reason why they wouldn't be interested in, 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 in enjoying what we do, but we're not there yet. And uh, he's like, I don't have a perfect answer for how we get there, but he's like, I know there's more we can be doing. And, um, and I think he's right. I haven't cracked it yet either, but... Mm-hmm. You're right. I think I think you're onto something, Nathan. When you say like, you gotta you gotta cross the street for others. You can't wait for people to like just walk in your door. You know what I mean? If you if you actually want to yeah. be more inclusive, if you wanna if you wanna have a more representative fan base, like you gotta go build that, and you gotta you gotta reach out and take the first step. So um, we started, yeah. I think, to do that last summer. I think we had our eyes open like a lot of people with what was going on last summer. Um, but uh, there's lots to do. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point, and that's like, and that's why I was very careful to say that's how like that's how it looks to me because the important like the important thing is as Tiffany's saying right now, there's still so much work to do, and I as another like as another white guy, I'm obviously not the like and obviously not the one to like you know to to pat our like to pat the four of us on the like on the back or even to pat like to pat you guys on the back. I'm not the one to say that uh, that you know. Things that, 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 that like you know that that everything's are great, um, but I think that, that, that but I, I think it's just one of those things like like you say it's just important to like like you know who you like who you have to listen to you've got the, like you've got that voice who's saying 
uh, who's saying to you, like, you know, you've still, like, you've still got a lot to do. And if you're like, and if you, you've got those voices that can, like, that can tell you that and kind of direct that for you, that's a good thing. Yeah. Particularly in-house as well. One thing I always thought was interesting. Yeah. In-house uh, Tiff, is key. In-house is so key. And Tiff saying you guys are all on the right path, which is, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, our good friend Tio from Crowns and Hops, they're a uh, African-American owned brewery in Los Angeles. Um, he always told me, he's like, if you go to the, the hoods in the States anywhere, there's no craft beer in those convenience stores. There's there's like all the type of, you know, 40 ounce and, and, and terrible beers and stuff like that, 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 that uh, those companies are proactively selling to those communities. So their mission was to, expose people of color particularly african-americans to craft beer to be like yo you know all humans regardless of what fucking how much melanin we have we all like flavor and obviously you know craft beer has more flavor than the you know more less flavorful macro so why wouldn't people um get, be given the chance to enjoy it so the thing about canada is that it's not as much separated by a poverty line as much as like just community based. I think it's more just people like Tiffany's mother. Tiffany's mother is a woman from Jamaica, moved from Jamaica and lived most of her life in Canada, but she's still a Jamaican woman because of us. She drinks craft beer. She understands craft beer, maybe not deeply, but every time I have something, I make sure when, well, when I'm there in Toronto, which isn't as often as I, I would like, but, you know, I would always get let her try some stuff or I'd leave some things for her and always try. And she's always super open and be like, oh, wow, that's really nice. And she would show her friends some stuff sometimes as well. And, um, you know, it's like a step-by-step -step thing. But in, say, a Jamaican community, if you, like, they're just not exposed. People just aren't exposed to it. So I wonder what the actual path to that solution looks like in a place like Canada where it's not, a matter of segregation, maybe more so than the States where just people of color are placed in this neighborhood. And like, it's a little bit like that here, but not as much. So I wonder where that, you know, where everyone shops at the same LCBOs. I go to LCBOs all the time in, in Ontario, but it's, you, you know, just like anywhere else, like in Toronto, it's every nationality under the sun. So I'm like, okay, well, why are certain individuals gravitating towards the, you know, Heineken and blah, blah, blah as opposed to the, the craft side. It's just, that's the interesting sort of um, conundrum, I think, with the, with the Canadian. You said, something, you said something interesting, though, about what Tio had said. And, and frankly, I didn't know about Crowns and Hops until I saw them on your feed. So I you know, have you guys to thank for that. I thought that was super cool. Years awesome. ago, they were, I think they were programming beer festivals for people Dope of color. And, they were and I thought that was very cool. But, uh, but he said something there, which is like, you know, these companies are actively after these markets. Yes. Um, and like, the truth is, it's not an accident. Like, there, there are certain companies who have made it part of their strategy to be there and to reach out to, to people. Um, and, 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 and it's been a gap for the rest of us. We just, um, so I think we have to make it one. And if I can be really practical about it, I, I think, like last summer, I think the crack in the door for me was like, sorry, I saw Tiffany's comment here. I'm wondering how much do these craft beers show predominantly black communities, Eglinton West and Western Road? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. My sense is like not a lot, probably. 
Um, and again, part of that I think is on us. Like it's part of our job to like make ourselves relevant to that audience. Right. But, um, so, so that's an eye opening thing, but last summer, George Floyd, everything that happened, um, afterwards, um, was definitely, you know, like at a lot of breweries, I think people, and again, this is part of like beer expects something of itself, which I appreciate it. Beer expects that it has a response to these things. It doesn't shrug it off and say, I don't know, there's nothing to do with us. We just make beer. That's an unacceptable answer for beer, which I think is good. It's a good start. But um, part of the way we chose to respond to it was like, let's find black leaders in our, in our city, in our community who are doing stuff and let's use the signal we've got to boost it, boost their signal. Um, and let's find a way to marshal some of the amazing support we get from our fans for community causes and let's, let's send it their way. Um, and, and, and the truth is like, we hadn't before, whether we would have liked to have or whether we would have got to it, I don't know, but we hadn't. And so last summer we started and like we've begun little relationships with a couple organizations. There's one in particular in Ottawa called Jacku Convit. And they're just like the most amazing organization that's like empowering black youth in Ottawa, um, running camps and other things. Um, and it's a cultural organization and like they make the fabric of Ottawa richer and like we've never done anything with them. It is totally our place to do something with an organization like that. They absolutely should have been on our radar and they were not, but because they are now we have like a genuine friendship with some of the people involved there. I have a job posting posted on their internal job board. Maybe that'll even result in a few black candidates for a job this summer, which might even mean hopefully, um, you know, our team becomes more inclusive and more diverse, which would be wonderful. Um, things that didn't happen before. So I, I think, I think Ren's whole thing and what you guys are talking about, just like take the first step, get out from your bubble, get out from behind your four walls and go find people who don't look like you and try and bring them in. I think, I think that's, that's the task at hand now. Could not agree more. Well said, man. Tiff's also saying, and this is a, a good sort of challenge here and these marketing pop-ups, like the ones you were talking about with fair with the Shasta, Dan and the fair weather team who I know are fantastic people. Um, do they happen in areas that have denser black populations? That'd be interesting to see. So I imagine that that's probably a challenge. That's what Jesse's saying. Tiffany's point exactly what we're trying to figure out. So I imagine that, you know, it needs to be a proactive approach to be like, okay, if we do our usual pop-up at these four bars that we always go to that are on Queen Western Toronto or on the main drag of Hamilton where it's just downtown and it's it's not a neighborhood where there is not even just black but just other people that typically wouldn't be familiar with craft beer, how can we involve those communities? Because I feel like it almost it's almost kind of like weird if you just popped up on Eglinton West, we know it's predominantly Jamaican area, and just pop up there with no context, it's also kind of weird as well. I feel like there needs to be a connection to the community because then it feels like you're, you may be like a leech on the community there and you're trying to be like, hey, I'm trying to sell my stuff as opposed to like, no, 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 I want to integrate. So I feel like there has to be, it, it, it's, a, it's a very complex, deep conversation into the, pro, as to the proper way to do this, to make it um, authentic, efficient, and technically effective to make sure that you're actually reaching people for job. Like you said, so the job board is, is beautiful. That's exactly it. That's, we were telling, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Les Pas Public here in Montreal, 
They're um. Simon's a longtime you know friend Simon? and collaborator. Yeah. Oh, oh. You guys did the I went to Simon and I were in grade seven together in Fuck Burlington, Ontario. Oh, he lived in Burlington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Simo, I call him Simo because we're from Australia. We call him Simon. We call him Simo. He is the fucking wildest c word I've ever met. I love Simon so much. I forgot. I can't say the c word on this podcast. The Canadians get mad at me. Um, I have another podcast Monday nights, 8 p.m. Bad habits. Check that out. We say the C word explicitly if you want to hear it. Um, so yeah, Simon and I are really good friends. And Simon said to us one time, he's like, Yo, how do I reach the community? And I told him exactly what you just said. I said, Bro, you need to go to like a um, this was a couple of years ago, and I, I love that he was passionate about that. And I love Simon because he's such a good soul. So I'm I totally forgot that you guys were homies, of course. Um, and uh I was like, you know, go to a community organization, say like, you know, Sri Lankan or Jamaican or some sort of cultural association. Be like, hey, guys, you want to do your – I know it's like not the conversation to have in the middle of COVID being that there's no events and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, you want to have your event? You know what? Let us come and be the beer of the event and we'll pair our beers to your cultural traditional food so we can be like, you know, this sour beer goes well with this dish and this – IPA and blah 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 and show people that things are more than just the usual drinks that they're used to and you I think it takes breweries and exactly what you're saying there is that it take it, the breweries sometimes have to make the first step to move into that with authentic and organic and and, and um what's the word um uh um, true is the word that's coming just like real intentions like genuine intentions to be like I want to make this better I'm not trying to get a dollar off you guys. I want I want you guys to see what we do. I want you guys to see what beer can be. And then there's opportunities for your community. We'd love to have people work here if, if there's a fit. And we'd love to have you guys you know, discover what other flavors exist. Just like it's been an honor to, you know, I, I feel like I was cheated my whole life not eating Jamaican food until there isn't, it doesn't exist in Australia. There's no Jamaicans, man. Like, so, and then I met Tiff when I moved here. And I tried some food out here and I tried her mom's food. And I was like, what is this shit? What the fuck, man? I got screwed my whole life not being exposed to this flavor. <laughs> so I imagine there's going to be some people of different cultures who like, who try something like Dark Knight of the Soul and be like, what the fuck is this? This is incredible. Why did I think that Budweiser is all there was? And I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's just that introduction and spreading of just, hey, this is dope. You should try it. And yeah, and 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 one step beyond that too is like, and you belong here. Like, there's room for you here. Facts. Like, Ren always talks about like a seat at the table, right? Like making room, and I think that's like an apt thing. So that's that that's that one more step. It's it's not just yeah. like, hey, this beer is bomb and you should like it. It's like, and by the way, it's for you too. Yes, which I think yeah. is a step we've missed. We've missed. So there's work. There's work. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of. There's work. always work. Yeah. There's always work. Uh, Tiff is just saying here, strategic partnerships are so key. That gives the cosign that presents any side eye. Same as any brand is trying to reach a new audience. That's essentially what I was saying in, in a much more eloquent way. Um, and she's also saying they are making good strides in the U.S. Still a lot of work to be done there, but we can do the same here. And that's exactly it. People like Beer Culture, Shasta Leticia, and everything that she's doing with Cicerone and stuff like that reminded me a lot of what you guys were doing with Ren and, and the partnerships there and just really trying to just be proactive and, and do whatever yeah. you can to sort of give back and just expand it. And like you said, yeah, it has to be authentic or it's going to sound or seem like a grab. Um, yeah, it's a large challenge, but I guess the point of bringing it up is that you guys were sort of from what 
from our perspective at the forefront of this type of stuff with partnering with Rand and really making, you know, I remember she told me about the toolkit back then. So I know it's taking her a while to sort of put everything together. It's quite, sounds like quite a large endeavor. Um, it's all, it's a really big undertaking for sure. I can imagine, but it's, it's so important. And I think breweries are starting to get the point, uh, you know, it's a, it's a slow grind, but it's, uh, it's getting there. And just thank you for your, all you guys, you know, for you both and your whole team, just for sort of your supporting it and, and spearheading it and championing it and supporting someone like Rand and just doing whatever it can and just putting the money up to give back. It's just, it's just really nice to see and it's appreciated. And I think it's, it's really the, it's what's going to make beer move ahead. Like we said, there's only so many blokes like us with no melanin and lots of facial hair and uh, depleted vision that, uh, you know, can keep, uh, can keep this shit running. And it's, it's, it's all fun and games right now, but you know, at the end of the day, humans are variety, are varied and, and different and everyone has different tastes. And just imagine what different cultures are going to bring to craft beer and the different, elements and be like yo why don't you try these ingredients we're like oh shit we never even thought of this because we're all white motherfuckers all right cool let's try this you know it's uh it's really cool i love it so thank you guys appreciate it that's wonderful nate do we have anything else we want to make sure to be tap all, all your uh your list yeah nice. uh, yeah i i think we we, we covered we covered everything that was uh you know the the, the that was a good deep chat yeah, it got it got it got deep. I feel like I see Scott's finish his six pack. He's like, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, they're all gone. <laughs> I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Time to go. It's over. It's over. No, boys, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. This is uh, long overdue and it's a genuine uh, pleasure to hang out and have a chat and just uh hear what's been happening from you guys' perspective over the years. So thank you very much and thank you for everything you do. It's just, you know, we're big fans. We always will be. It's amazing. Where it's yeah, it's really been a genuine pleasure for real. And thank you, Nate, as well, for for co hosting. It's perfect. Uh, basically, you know, Nate is a big part of BOS, he runs the blog, and uh, it's great. You know, Nate's going to be handling all the Ottawa episodes with me, which is fun. Makes it, uh, you know, gives a bit of a local perspective and some other things that I'm not familiar with. So, thank you, Nate. You asked some great questions, dude. Killer, I appreciate you, and I appreciate your wonderful beer. Cheers, mate. It's just glorious. I want you to know. Um, Thanks for having us on, guys. Man, Jen, yeah, thank you awesome. so much. Uh, Josh and Scott, where can everybody find either you two individually if you want to be found uh, or Dominion City Online? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, at Bot on Instagram. Uh, but other than that, uh, Josh handles the, uh, the rest of it. <laughs> Just roll up. Come to the drive-thru anytime, man. We're there. Anytime. What if, what, what if they uh, are from afar and they want to see what you're doing online? Where do they go? Yeah, jo join us at uh, dominioncity.ca or uh, follow us on Instagram at Dominion City. I love it. Andrew is sending love. Andrew, miss you. Come give me a hug when we can. Um, no, boys, I appreciate you so much. Nathan, where can everybody find you online, sex beast? All right. So everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's at Nathan Does Beer or on the BAOS podcast blog. Uh, a direct link to all of my blog posts is NathanDoesBeer.com. Look at that. What a beast. Um, boy, stick around after we'll say goodbye. I'm just going to wrap this up here. Oh, do you want me to do? Thumbnail. Almost. Oh, yeah, you're right. 
I'm going to take a screenshot. So if you want to hold up a couple of cans or something, because this is what the people are going to be seeing. This is very important. I never want to, uh, there we go. Look at that. Everyone ready? Oh, stunning. Look at that. All right, ridiculous faces. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Andrew, oh, Tiff is saying bye, Andrew. Andrew and Jesse and Rick and Daniel and Bruce, everyone who's commenting. Craig, I appreciate all of y'all. Thank you so much for coming by. Um, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell. Nathan, ding. So you know when the new new drops, follow us on social media at BOS Podcast and check out the long form audio so you can hear extraordinarily attractive gentlemen with extraordinary facial hair and vision impairment talk about craft beer here on BOS. We'll be back next Friday at probably 9 p.m. with Uncle Matthew from Tooth and Nail, good friends of Dominion here. We'll see you next week, guys. Get in here. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye.